Welcome to another edition of Chit Chat Corner with Grizzly and Cat. Hello, Gary, Crystal. How you doing, Cat? I'm well, thank you. And we got Derek tonight. And who else we got here? Crystal. Hi, everyone. Wow, we got Barb. So, how's everybody doing? It's sliding in this evening. Welcome, everybody. So, what we got going on tonight, Cat? Tonight we have a special guest. Brian is going to talk to us, and Obez with us too. Really? So we're going to be talking big footies and poop and different oh, stuff like that. We are not going into dead turvy already. No, no, we'll leave that to the end. <laughs> All right. Well, let's bring them on, Brian and Obear. Welcome to the show. How you doing, gentlemen? Hello. How, How are you doing, Brian and Old Bear? Welcome to the show. Doing good. Thanks for having me. So, Brian, how are you doing with your surgery, by the way? We're doing good. They went in to find what they thought was one hernia and found five and stitched them up and sent me on my way. So, wow. luckily, they fixed everything this time, so I don't have to go back. Unbelievable. Exactly. At least they found all that. Uh, by the way, you're actually telling us a story backstage in the green room. Uh, tell us about that real quick. Yeah, I was just talking to Elaine, my girlfriend, and told her, I said, you know, I don't know where tonight she's going to show, but it's going to be interesting being a psychic on the same show. <laughs> and a few minutes later, my phone rings. It's it's the hospital. I, I know the number by heart because I've been there quite a bit lately and answered it and this lady goes michael and i went nope sorry you know i don't know any michael and uh, so she she apologized and i went to hang up and she says wait i need help and so i tried i said well you're in the hospital you know just hit your nurse's button and, and you'll get help and she's like they turned off my button they won't talk to me so I said, what room are you in? She couldn't read her room number. So I got her last name, first name. It was Denise Niss, K-N-I-S-S. I says, I'll call the nurse's station and get you some help. And she's like, but the nurses won't talk to me. I says, well, I'll call the switchboard and I'll get you some higher ups and we'll get you some help. So I called the, um, actually the nurse's station on that floor. I got that down. I said, here's her name. Can you go check on her? Just make sure she's okay. I said, it's probably just Medicaid or something. You know, I don't know why she's calling me. I said, but can you call me back and let me know she's okay? And she said, sure, absolutely. Calls me back five minutes later and her remote had hit the floor. So the nurse's call button didn't work. Wow. Due for her pain medication. That's Isn't freaky. That wild? 
Yeah. You know, something tugged at me to call that nurse's station forward instead of just thinking it was a crank call, but. Isn't that crazy? It's amazing, you know, yeah. like the help that's reaching out and how it finds the right person at the right time. You're like, you know. Yeah, and any normal night, I would have just hung up my phone. It was like, you're in, you're in the hospital. How much more help do you need? Yeah, that's terrible. She right. must have been so frightened. Yeah, you, you could just hear it in her voice. So that was why I was like, no, nah, I'm going to call and just make sure. Yeah. It's just wild that they that she called you. Yeah, I out of all the phone numbers in the world, she was looking for somebody named Michael. So it must be fairly close to mine. Yeah, yeah, same area, maybe. Isn't that right, Michelle? Angels. Yeah. Hey, Russ, welcome to the show. Nice to have you. He just had his teeth pulled, so. Oh. oh. Mm. Yowch. Oh, no, I hate dentists. Yeah. Hey, I told him how we doing it here in Kentucky is get some wild turkey and a pair of pliers, and he waited for months. That's not how we do it over in UK. So, yes, uh, She's actually watching TV. So, Bear, what you been up to? Oh, just working like crazy. That's about it. Picking up a few more accounts here lately. Much action, oh, Bear? Well, um, I was gone for four days and picked up three new accounts. Wow. Uh, account in Ohio, one in Pennsylvania, and one in Maryland. That's fairly spread apart, isn't it? Yeah, that is. Yeah, it's about 400 miles that I traveled to get those three accounts. Wow. Now, is that dealing with the problem swatches? Is that what that? Uh, two of them. Two of them are kind of problems. Um, it's kind of funny that you mentioned um, that poop a little earlier and i don't mean to bring it into your show right now grizz but <laughs> one of them throws poop and hits a guy right smack in the face with it so yeah oh, wow. i can tell you the good reminds me in the jail i mean why is it feces <laughs> i mean that's why i don't like jail <laughs> yeah I can tell you from the picture I took, I can't imagine getting hit with that. <laughs> yeah, so I wonder if you didn't knock him out. Well, um, I, he he got kind of violently ill. You know, it, you know, it was it was an experience that I'm luckily have never had that happen. I, I pray to everyone on the, everywhere that it never does. <laughs> I, mean, so, I mean, what do you do? Just walk out your front door and get hit in the face with it? I mean. Well, he, he walked out his front door at night and was standing out there smoking a cigar. And evidently, this Bigfoot didn't like the smell of a cigar and smacked him right in the face with it. <laughs> he drummed <laughs> like 40 feet. So that takes a lot of skill to throw it 40 feet and hit you right dead in the face. Perfect aim. That's one way to put a cigar out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Snuff it out. 
<laughs> Thanks, Raymond. The other one's riding a bike, right? Thanks. I appreciate that. Hello, Rebecca. Welcome to the show. Wow. Rebecca made a hell of an entrance on the on the on the sling of the feces. Yeah. You, you know how we get into this conversation that we do get into? Um, and Justin um, said on one of the other shows that there was plenty, plenty of data on the PROs, um, which I hadn't found. Um, but I got into this PRO rave yesterday, as I do, because I was excited, you know, to talk about all of this. And um, we were talking about, you know how cows have double stomachs? Or they've got a different digestive system than other animals, so that, and this has got nothing to do with D. I'll, I'll be careful here. Um, the the PWO only grows certain varieties of fungus, whereas if in horse poo, the horse poo will only grow another type of fungus. Apparently, the cows have a um, like a double digestive system or a double stomach they've got a different system than the other animals um and that creates the the growth you know the growing ground for this particular pwo um so that particular fungus is a like a gift if it's used correctly um medicinally you know for healing in that and so then i got it got well you know i'd go off and I'm thinking, I wonder if the, you know, the big feedies have any sacred kind of healing things that will grow in theirs that could help us later on. Yeah, it, it hit me. It went straight back to this fungus that I was thinking of that that mm. everyone's into at the moment. Um, but I, I don't know. It just clicked. That's why I'm interested in the PWO for lots of different reasons, like, you know, genetics, ecosystems um that one that i sent you a photo of it, from here did you see that albert uh no i didn't i'm sorry i didn't see it Where is he on um and on the email it's got that and the article on the big footy that went from australia to england our our pwo over here looks very intricately woven <laughs> I mean, we buy manure, manure for fertilizer. fertilizer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's obviously good for putting out cigars and leaving a $120 pair of boots in the woods, but. Do you say, yeah. Wouldn't the digestive tract be the same as like a gorilla? You'd think you so. Know how it really eats so much. They got the big gut, but everything takes so slow to go through. So they absorb all the nutrients out of it. Well, uh, evidently, allegedly, they have two hearts. Oh, I That's remember. Remember? Yeah, I remember. Um, I guess I can say Randy. Right. When they did the autopsy on it, they found some, uh, an additional what they thought was a heart behind the actual heart, and it right. wasn't the aorta. So, right. That probably so, explains maybe that was why people I think people wonder if they can live longer because they got that double pump. Right. So, so that means they're electrics. My um a friend of mine has that he they call it a double kickstarter. So his baseline um pulse is around two hundred. Um and they said he's got a, a separate kickstarter on 
you know, similar to what you're saying. So then he's like doubly electrically charged. That may have something to do with the Hertz. As an as EMF field, it could be. And you yes. know, if the Hertz are that, if they're double power, then that could make us see things differently. Yeah, you can. That's that probably more. how they can probably cloak and change their structure, their hair, right? The vibrations. Yeah. So That's how did you take that call, old bear? I mean, did you did you not laugh when they when he told you? Like, are are, are you punking me out or? It, no, um, it wasn't a phone call. It was a face to face. Did you lose but, it? Well, I kind of looked at him and I was I was completely puzzled. I had a puzzled look on my face, and I said, "My comment to him was." Are you trying to cause me to break my ribs laughing or are you just, or is this really what happened to you? And he's like, it really happened. Um, I, I smelt that for two weeks afterwards. And every time it would come up in my memory, I would puke. So, oh, wow. Yeah, it was, um, he said it was the consistency of red clay right before it dries completely out. Oh, it's a wonder it didn't kill him. Well, that's, that was my question. And, and if you'd have seen this guy, he was about six foot three, six, two, maybe, you know, in that couple inches there and um he's pretty he's a truck driver and he's pretty well built um if if you remember a long time ago uh sylvester salone did a truck driving movie that's yes. about his body build he, he's he works out in his truck he carries two 40 pound dumbbells and works out one arm while he drives with the other one and then changes arms every five miles. He's a big dude. He, but, you know, like clay, that that's almost rock. Yeah. Yeah. Can't believe it didn't break his nose or... Yeah. Well, it bloodied his nose. Yeah, he bloodied his nose. Um, it... Uh, Actually, his luckily he had he had took a puff off his cigar, and the smoke got in his eyes, and he closed his eyes, and whenever he went to open them, he had the poo all over his face, and then he saw he wiped his eyes, and he saw the Bigfoot step out of the yard. It was into it stepped out of the brush into the yard, and grunted at him. And then just turned and walked right back into the woods. Boy. Big one? Wow. Eight foot, eight and a half feet. That's what he told me. Big one. Yeah. It's a good size one. Uh, that's amazing. And it hasn't thrown it at anyone else, just this bloke. Well, he's the only one that lives at the house. Um, oh, right. He's not married. Um 
he was married before and weird things were going on in his house before and his wife got scared and they ended up in a big huge argument over it and she left left him didn't leave him for somebody else just left and um, they got divorced and the divorce was final back in May of this year and he periodically would hear things scream at night when he was home and walked out on the porch one night and it smacked him right in the face. I've never in my life would dream of hearing this story. <laughs> well, not unless you had a zoo. <laughs> well, but you know, a non-smoking Bigfooty. <laughs> Well, I, I think he was trying to tell him that maybe, you know, it was time for him to quit. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I can come up with. So yeah. Beats the patches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, since then it's been it's been a month since that happened to him. He hasn't touched a cigar since then. So I maybe don't think it helped I would him. either. <laughs> Nope, I, I suppose every time he down. even thinks about it, the smell would turn him off. Yeah, it does. Uh, oh, that smells horrible. Yeah. We're yeah, they, they have a definite lousy digestive system. And what they eat, I mean, it just compounds the, the odor. Uh, like rotten egg gas. Woof. So Karen wants to know, can anyone tell me about markings on trees? Like eating something inside the tree, claw marks, etc. Can y'all answer anything like that? Um hey, old bear's gonna have way more experience than I have. I've only found a few. Well when it comes to like they're digging into a tree, they're digging into it for grubs or an ant's nest, you know, or or not ants, but uh, termites, stuff like that. You know, stuff like that's pure protein for them. So that helps them a lot. You know, like, it, it helps maintain their muscles. Yeah. Do they go down low like this? Yeah, they'll they'll strip a tree from seven, eight foot high down to get into a nest. And they wow. had like here. I can't do it any other way. Yeah. Yes, Penny Van, a Bigfoot launched a feces into man's face. Yes. That's yes. what happened. Not just one, but a big handful of it. And it was so, red. Brian, I'm doing good. Don't laugh, Brian. It's only because I know that stench and it's like oh man to have it hit me i mean i felt like i got hit in the face when i stepped in it let alone get hit in the face with it yeah yeah i've i've been out and come across their feces and know the difference between a bear and a and a and a bigfoot and it if it's fresh eight to ten foot's closer i want to get 
and then I got to be upwind, not downwind, because it it turns my stomach. Wow, well, that's why I'm not breaking the box out tonight because lately I've been forgetting where I put things. Yeah, I'm afraid I'm gonna leave that box out. That's all hollow. <laughs> I would uh, never. I know what you have it. to get for Valentine's Day: perfume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, the pics I have are like you described, old bear. Karen says, wow. Hi, Jean. Welcome to the show. She's saying hello to everybody. Hi, Jean. Jean. Hi, Jean. Chris, I, I cannot imagine getting, no. That would ruin my day. The, the guy on the bicycle ruined my night. So That, that was hilarious. But Every time I hear that story, I think of that Queen song, My Bicycle. <laughs> Yeah, and the one, you know, um, riding along on a push bike. Mm -hmm. oh, you look so pretty. Yeah. I, I just, I, I'm sorry. I, I, that just, I, I, I don't know. So, I mean, how do you deal with something like that? Well, the only way that, that this guy dealt with it, he just, after getting hit in the face, he dropped the cigar left it laying there. Now, he had it all over. It was not only on his face, because he had just pulled the cigar all oh, about three inches from his face. Now, he had it all over his hand, the cigar. He dropped the cigar and cleared his face, his eyes out to where he could, and then he saw the Bigfoot step out and then saw it walk, grunt at him and walk away. He walked inside went straight into the shower, no clothes off, no nothing, turned ice cold water on, and showered with his clothes on. And to him, he said, I took my clothes, after I got out of the shower, I took all my clothes off, put them in a garbage bag, took it out to the back of his house, put it in a metal barrel, poured five gallons of gasoline, and shot a match or something to light it from about 10 feet away. Did it blow up? Oh, yeah, yeah. it blew up on him. Uh, <laughs> five gallons of gas. He said, he said, I should have put a trail and then lit the trail, let it go in, and that way it gave me a chance to run. It knocked him down when he when it blew up. The explosion oh. knocked him over. You, they might have created a new, you know, atmospheric cloud. <laughs> you know, upsetting the rest of the, the mushroom cloud wall. <laughs> I know, right? But, Maybe uh, that's why fish fall every now and again. <laughs> But yeah, that that is a definite way to deal with something like that. But it wasn't. I don't think it was the best way to deal with it. I think he'd have been better off just to pour diesel fuel out of his tractor in on top of it, and then set a match. Better smell. But, well, I think I would rather smell the sulfur and the diesel than dealing with because he said when it blew up, it blew it everywhere. So, yeah, he yeah he he spent he took two extra days off 
after this happened. And he said he washed his house three times. And he could still smell the smell. Oh, that's horrible. I had to move out of a house once with a cat, you know, the male cat. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine what that poor man is going through. It's like a new, if they find a way to bottle that chemical warfare for <laughs> yeah. Americans got apes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that would be something that if it was chemical warfare, uh, that would probably be against the Geneva Convention. That'd be hazardous. What's that rule out in America? Hazardous. Um, hazardous waste uh, material. Hazardous waste, yeah. 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 Uh. <laughs> Imagine putting out a warning. Uh, I, I, I just, I, I, you all, I can't even think right now. <laughs> I mean, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, we hear a lot of stuff in this in this cryptic community. I mean, how did how did you process this over there? Well, it was kind of like you got to be professional about it. I mean, you know, I've been doing it for so long. It's like nothing really surprises me from these creatures. Um, you know, I, I've heard of them throwing it at houses and throwing it at, uh, at dog kennels and stuff like that, you know, to get the dogs to stop barking at them or whatever. But hitting the person in the face is personal. And it's, it's clearly an affront to this guy. Um, and, 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 you know, how there's certain things here in the U.S., you're not supposed to have, like, certain cigars. Uh, right. He was smoking one of those, and the only thing, that was the first time he'd ever went outside and uh, smoked that type of cigar. And the only thing that I can come up with was that the Bigfoot didn't appreciate the cigar smell of that type of cigar. And it hated it instantly. So, at that point i'm kind of thinking okay the bigfoot thought that it was something geared towards him and he didn't like it and it clearly it was a male and that was the easiest thing that he could do without having to attack the person a friendly and attack well, it wouldn't have been a friendly one. <laughs> it would have been. It would have been. Oh, it would have been one of those ones where it runs up and probably hits the guy and knocks him through the front door, closed. Um, but it was probably something simple. It's probably seen another male Bigfoot do that because, you know, I've had people tell me before they've. Uh, seen Bigfoot throw feces at houses and stuff, and it was probably something it's seen before, and it just thought of that and threw it at him to get him to stop smoking that smelly cigar, and he didn't like it. Well, I mean, if you stop and think how how well canines can smell, right? Mm -hmm. Now, can you imagine how well a Bigfoot can smell? And smelling that cigar was probably killing it, probably, you know? Well, yeah, you might yeah. Been upset because maybe another person had started a fire. 
Well, he's the, protecting his woods. Well, the funny thing is, there was a brush fire there a year ago at his house, and it burned all the understory. Uh, it didn't burn the big trees; it just burned all the brush and the briars and all that. And the woods were pretty open at that point, and so that could have been part of the the thinking of the Bigfoot, you know, because they can, they think on our levels is what I can yeah. tell. I just asked Pendy and it said, yep, he was trying to prevent fires. He must have been in another fire somewhere close or, yeah. you know, protecting his caves or. It could have been protecting his family. I mean, yeah. they run in family, so. Yeah. I got to go back and change the, the title to the damn to the damn yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, he reckons they're protecting the family. But, you know, because it's pretty bad, all the fires everywhere. Um, over here, we've had more sightings the closer the fires are coming. So it's like they, they get out of the way and try and hide and get down as deep as they possibly can Yeah, you know, to get away from the fires. Yeah, wow. a few years ago here in the in – where I live in West Virginia, we had brush fires and uh, actually not too far from my house and we went out to fight brush fires and there was two or three reports of uh, volunteer firemen seeing seeing these creatures running out of the woods ahead of the fire. Mm. So, yeah, it happens. Yeah, it's sad. They've got nowhere to go. You know, in a, I suppose they can get there pretty fast, wherever they've got to run to. Yeah, yeah, because they can definitely outrun a human being. I mean, is that where territory wars can get started? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, if they have, you know, they have a system like, you know, like us humans used to have back when you had you know, tribes and you had tribal wars between us, you know, not only here in the U.S., but in in, um, in, the, in Europe and Asia and everywhere. You know, we used to be pretty tribal, but, you know, we've become quote-unquote sophisticated. Um, so, yeah, they're still on that basis of tribal, you know, tribal lands, wherever... You know, this family group is, it's expected you don't come in and invade unless you let it be known, and they do things like that. But, um, yeah, when it's something like that, I would say that they probably drop, you know, a certain clan gets pushed out into another clan's area because of fire or something like that. I, I figure they tentatively coexist for a short period of time, and then that other group is expected to go away. Yeah, they'd have all the alpha sections in that. Yeah. And act as a temporary homeless shelter. Yeah. yeah. A lot of time, time to go after that. Um, you know, it's Bigfoot are they're sophisticated to the point of they can tolerate each other. The big males can tolerate each other for a short period of time, but it's typically 
you're you're expected to stay in your area and you know if you migrate migrate to wherever you're going to go and you know we'll we'll migrate to this area they'll they'll stay out of each other's way that's nice you know that's like in the old days that when when it all first started and the settlers came and they used to protect their land you know from contamination of this and they didn't want this other one coming from thousands of miles away bringing germs and yeah so they're sensitive to the land which is good yeah <laughs> and i'm just I and tell me I'll, i've got to ask brian please is your pwo intricately woven or is it just <laughs> oh man i feel like jeff dunham you know where you everybody wants you to pull the puppet out of the box or something oh no no i'm not doing that but you know you uh, can just you no can it's just, just long it, no weeds round, just one big round lincoln log basically it yeah like he was walking when he did it was it's it just, sloppy when he found it pardon was it sloppy or had it gone hard when you it found was frozen it? at that point oh okay that's that lucky why, i mean it, i didn't have anything that big to put it in anyway but it just chipped a <gasps> little bit i could how long sure up i wear a size 15 and i think it's almost three times as long it, there's some breaks in it mm -hmm. but you know, it's bigger around than, it's bigger around than my foot yeah i mean Definitely. Is it as well or that's not? why they howl. I mean, <laughs> when they plonk. <laughs> yeah. That's, that guy needs some, you know, Taco Bell or something to help ease the pain. Is <laughs> you okay? Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> but you know, like, uh, it's interesting. It's well, over there, I wonder if they the eucalyptus and everything. So maybe that makes it different. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm, and the picture does not do any justice. I've seen the picture. <laughs> well, <laughs> you probably, Brian, you probably found one that had been eating heavily on um, acorns, you know, fibrous you know, oh, like meat and nuts and all that stuff. Just don't be glad you didn't find one that was been eating persimmons or wild grapes. And like that one that the man threw, got thrown at, that sounded like he was eating berries or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. The guy said he's got um, five persimmon trees in his yard that he planted, and they all had persimmons this year. And uh, he said all of them, the tops of them, the top of the trees, they're all picked clean. Ah. Yeah, they're just reaching up there and grabbing the persimmons out of the tree. Are they yellow? Bright yellow? Um, This time of year, they're still green. They're oh, not okay. right. Oh, no wonder he got a tummy ache. Oh, they should know better. <laughs> Well, it's funny you say acorns because there are times when I walk out there and I don't see acorns anywhere, and then all of a sudden I'll find a great big pile of tops. Oh, so where they've had a snack. So yeah, they'll yeah they'll gather them just like any other you know deer will 
gather up acorns, but they don't eat the tops and they don't pluck the tops off from them. They wait until they hit the ground and the top pops off. Oh, uh, yeah. Worms will do the thing. Yeah, because their hands would be too big, wouldn't they? You know, to delicately take tops off and things. Well, they just pop it with their thumb, I would say. Like we do a, you know, pop off. Oh, I like pop a on, a, on a soda pop or a beer or whatever. <laughs> that poor guy is traumatized for life. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's pretty um when he was telling me, I mean, it was kind of hard not to get, you know, giggles. Um and he, and he you know, and, and he told me, you know, this guy's five, six inches taller than me, and I'm like you know, I'm trying not to upset this guy because he looks like he could probably put a hurting on me. Um, and and I started giggling, and he's like, yeah, I know, it's funny, but it, it wasn't funny at the time. And he he kind of laughs at it now, so it ain't too bad. The poor thing, though, like it, I feel a little bit better for him to, so that now he knows that, you know, we really care about him and that, I, you can understand post-traumatic stress and that he's not alone out there. There's plenty of us around there to talk to, Yeah, you know? Yeah, I, 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 when I talked to him, he was like, you know, it's kind of hard to talk anybody. And he noticed, and, and, and after this happened to him, he really got into looking at stuff on the Internet about Bigfoot. And he got into all different types of videos that are out there. And he started watching a lot of the, the stuff from the out west and and you know, there's not a lot of us here in the east that are on YouTube because so many people live here in the east, it's you know, everybody thinks when you go out in the woods you can see somebody's house from the back porch. Um I don't see any you know, I got I got neighbors that are close to me. Within a hundred yards of me on both sides of my house, uh, but I mean, I've had Bigfoot walk through my yard. So it, they don't pay attention to your houses, and they don't pay attention to how close they are. If it's somewhere they want to go, they're going to go. And you know, but there's so many people here in the east. Everybody thinks that. Well, you know, you can see somebody's house, and they're not going to come around. And that's clearly not the case. Yeah. Wow. Okay, I gotta ask because I'm sitting here nervous. I'm I'm hoping Old Bear isn't mad at me for how I've kind of broke into the Bigfoot world. But as far as the peanut butter jars and it's like, oh man, this guy's really gonna be mad at me if I ever meet him because I love listening to you just to Same. try to gain knowledge. Brian, there, there's no reason for me to be upset with you. Hey, uh, you know, I used to put peanut butter jars out thinking that deer were eating them and put game cams up to watch the peanut bar jar and, and never get a picture of a deer. Get a picture of the jar falling being knocked off the tree, stuff like that. Hey, there's, you know, 
the only thing I can tell you is just don't feed them because they get habituated real quick. And once they're habituated, they get an attitude if they don't get what they want. Yeah, I can imagine. Imagine yeah, if they yeah. had, you know, big sugar hit and then they get nothing. Yeah, and that's when yeah. I, you know, I went on Grizz and Val's show and said, Yeah, you know, these people are right, don't do it. And I think the, it was bad enough what happened with them, you know, but then when I think about it, it could have got a whole lot worse to the point where they made, needed somebody like you to come out and unfortunately deal with what could have happened, but luckily yeah. they down and they quit doing it. So, well, Huh? Oh, Brian, tell your story because I guess a lot of people don't know the whole story. Uh, what story? Dogman well, or the big, Bigfoot? The Bigfoot. But what happened? Oh, I was. I'll try to do it quick. Uh, first time I saw one was in '87. Uh, My family had history with it before that, back in the '70s in Lake Ann, Michigan. Uh, there was a section of the woods you just didn't go in. And anytime you went back there, the dog wouldn't go in the woods and the woods were dead silent. You just knew you were being watched. So everybody kind of stayed away from it. And then one night while my grandpa was working, he was a deputy sheriff. Uh, there was, uh, sorry, on the spot. The German shepherd who would chase bears out of the barn would come in and ran right under her bed she got up there was a flash of lightning saw a big huge shadow standing in the window and then she called my grandpa grandpa comes home with deputies they find 17 inch tracks they casted a 17 17 inch track and they even followed it into the woods but never did find what did it and then two miles from there in 1987 was when i was coming around corner to about two miles from there and i saw what looked like a huge bag of garbage next to the guardrail and i love that area you know that's where i grew up so i'm like man some fire trucker put around garbage come around the corner and, and it moved so i thought it was a bear so i'm like oh cool i'm gonna see a big bear this is big and then when i get within a few feet of it it hadn't budged so i had my high beams on and all of a sudden this thing stands up turns and squares off to the car and its mm -hmm. shoulders are as wide as my El Camino. I mean, literally, the hands hung up to the outside edges of my El Camino. And I'm six foot, you know, and 300 pounds. Well, I was. And it, you can get two of me in that car. So his shoulders were wider than two of me. And I go to hit the horn. Something in my head said, don't do it. He'll peel the top off and beat the crap out of you. So I'm staring. I can see the, the yellow eye shine. They look like big softballs about six or seven inches apart. I'm staring at it. It's staring at me. And it, all of a sudden, it just turned sideways, stepped over the guardrail. It didn't hop. It didn't run. and just walked off. Back, that was 87, so you couldn't talk about this stuff. You know, I lived in a haunted house, and I got ridiculed for even talking about a haunted house, let alone see a Bigfoot. And so... It, uh, a couple of years ago, I decided I was getting into the Bigfoot forums. Certain shows made it okay to talk about Bigfoot, you know. So that was when I finally shared my experience. A friend of mine tells me about this place, so we go out there, and 
took a total skeptic with me. She just thought I was full of crap. I was bored. And so I'm thinking, I'm going to get skunked. This is, but at least I'm in the woods. It's a nice walk. Let's go. And as I'm walking, I'm very shy. So I don't want to do yells. I don't want to do whatever. So I would clap twice. Nothing. Get down to the bottom of the hill and look up and think, oh, I take a picture of it because it just looked cool with the snow and everything. And at that point, I said, well, I'm going to walk up there and see what you can see as far as, because it looks like a really cool look. Now, how far can you see? I took a couple of steps and all of a sudden it sounded like two catchers in its head. It went faster than that. And I looked at my friend, she's already crying. I go, you know, it takes hands to clap, right? And she's like, yeah, I want to go home. Like, okay. And we start walking out and all of a sudden you started hearing a little bit of whoops, a couple tree knocks. And the closer we got to getting out, the, the louder I got. It was almost like they were celebrating that they were chasing me out of the woods. And we get a little over halfway and I had parked next to a metal gate. And all of a sudden you can hear that metal gate rattling. I was like, what the heck? I had to be in four-wheel drive to get out here. There can't be anybody else out here at that point. And so we walk a little further and I turn around and I see something big jump behind the tree. And so I took a picture and blew it up and you can see it poking its head out, you know, probably seven, eight feet. And so I put the friends in my keys hand. I'm like, okay, come on, we need to go. I didn't want to freak around and say, hey, Bigfoot's right behind us. So yeah. it took me a couple months and then I started putting the peanut butter jars out and that's where things got, you know, I was putting one or two out and I was putting popsicle sticks out and the peanut butter jar would be gone and I'd find the popsicle sticks laying on the ground, sorted in colors and put in little different designs by colors. And wow. then, you know, you come back and find the peanut butter jar and it's just lit completely clean. You know, there's not a mark on the top. There's not a scratch on the bottom. And I thought, well, if they're as smart as they think, as I think they are, I'm going to start leaving the tinfoil out instead of opening it up. Now I'm up to three and four jars every few days because they're disappearing that quick. Do you have one handy or in reach or are they all put up? Most of them were tucked in like trees and kind of. Now, do you have one handy to show how big they oh, are? Yeah. Oh, um, so they're big whoppers that you can put a hand in. Look how big they are. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, they're Not four pound big. jars. You know, and I'm going sweet tooth. Maybe, oh, maybe they licked it out. The funniest thing is they won't eat the crunchy. <laughs> I even switched the lids thinking I would change it because it was just the color. Nope. Didn't touch the crunchy. Wow. And so, um, you know, and I would find them in various ways. Sometimes you'd find the lid right by where I left it. And then you'd find the tin foil still in one big piece. You know, I can't even pull that off. I don't know how they do with those fingers. Yeah. And then you find the jar even farther down. And then there'd be other times, you know, the to me the best one was I kept looking around the ground, I can't find this jar. It's driving me nuts. And I look up and it's about Same eight crazy. to ten feet up in the tree. And the lid's screwed on and the tinfoil is tucked in the jar. And that was where I had pictures because I found tracks leading up to the tree. Those were the 23 inch that I took pictures of and then sent people. So it was probably in the woods trying to watch me figure out how I'm going to get up that tree, get that peanut butter jar back. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
and because uh, we do it had you know then the one night you know the scariest night was when uh, I pulled in had a friend of mine you know she's unfortunately she's passed now but I saw a deer tracks running up the hill and then beside it were two big prints and we only took two steps to get all the way over the hill where there's all these deer tracks running up it. So I snap a picture, picture of that, and I said, come on, let's go. I know what made those. And I said, let's go lights out, though. And so we start walking up the hill. And as we just top the hill, and then we hear a couple tree breaks. And she's like, what the was that? And I said, I don't know. It could be the deer, you know. I said, I'm going to turn the light on. So I hit the light, and there's this great big reddish-brown figure. And as soon as I hit the light, it pulls its left arm up like this and hides its face. And I said, go. And, you know, got her to turn around. And as soon as we turn around, that thing roared. And it was so loud. And, you know, just deep. It made your, it was like being at a rock concert with the bass turned all the way up to 12. Vibrated your clothes, vibrated right into your whole body. And so I'm pushing her along. Come on, come on. We need to go. And you can hear it behind us. Obviously, it didn't go and trying to get us. It was just trying to get rid of us because it could have, in one pounce, had me. You know, I'm, I'm within 15 feet when I hit that light. And uh, so I'm pushing her down the hill. She only weighed 105 pounds. So I'm literally picking her up step by step, pushing her. Uh, we get the truck door open. I literally throw her in, and I had told her, if I'm not in that truck in 30 seconds, you leave because I'm not going to need help. You just come find what's left. And so she gets in. It's snowy and icy. They had, you know, plowed the road. So I slip and fall under my truck. As I'm trying to wiggle my way out, I hear my truck start, and I'm like, holy crap. I'm not, you know, Bigfoot's not going to get me. I'm going to get squished by my own truck. Managed to get out, get in, push her over, and we leave. And nobody says anything for a couple miles. <clears throat> and then that was when she said, we need to stop at Shell. And I'm like, BS. I'm going home and having a drink. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. <laughs> and she's like, no. She said, I wet my pants when he roared. And, you know, right away I said, don't worry about it. Because if I hadn't gone five minutes before, I would have done the same thing. Yeah. So we went to Shell. She got her snow pants, you know, and everything off. And went back and then we both had a few shots of tequila and actually the next day you know i had my bravery back and went back to that spot and uh the wind had blown so a bunch of the tracks were covered but there were uh three that were protected from the wind so i put my foot next to it and took a picture and had a tape measure on it but she wouldn't get out of the truck so i had a hard time holding the tape but that was another 23 inch track and you could still see the toes in the bottom of it. So I think I interrupted their dinner. <laughs> you know, and it was why he just wanted me to leave. You know, it obviously didn't want to beat the crap out of me. But then as things, you know, try to tie this up, as things went on, I got sick for a few weeks. And yeah, so but how many jars were you out. giving them a week, though, at this point? <sighs> at least six, sometimes more. Because I would go out twice a week, even sometimes three, you know, and giving them anywhere between six and nine a week. Are those big jars? Yeah. I mean, I had some little ones thrown in too, but 
you know, those were more, I, I, I would put them in random places and, you know, that was the weirdest one that showed up was because um, I think I sent, I don't know if I remember sent you a picture Grizz, but I sent it to Chris Henley, Hensley, sorry, Henny, I'm sorry. And uh, what they had done was they broke a piece out of the jar and then they broke a piece out of the lid and hung it, as Chris on said, the, right. on the, like a Christmas ornament. So I'm like, what kind of raccoon or trash panda or anything does that? You know? <laughs> and then, so then after, it was about three or four weeks after that is when I got sick. You know, I had, you know, the C word. And for, th it was almost a month I didn't get out there. So they got no peanut butter for that long. After going out for another week or two when I was better, you know, um, DNR gets a hold of me. But they got a hold of my friend, they got her license plate and said, we're looking for this guy. So then they got hers and called me. And that's when the DNR wanted to know what was going on. You know, we know you're out there, you're feeding, the, you know, the bears are coming into the neighbor's yard and giving them a hard time. And I'm like, bears? And she's like, yep, you're out there. It's, you know, the bears are coming out of hibernation. They're getting really close, you know, you can't be out there feeding them. And so I asked her, I said, is this conversation being recorded? And she went, no. I said, okay, well, I've been out there for two and a half years at this point, And a bear has never left a 23 inch track, thrown a rock or hit my truck with a log at me. And she's like, excuse me. And I said, no, that's all I'm saying on that. So then she proceeded to tell me that technically this is private property, even though it's a conservancy. Um, the conservancy could kick me off. They don't want to. So I was to gather what jars I had and immediately stop feeding the bears. And I said, okay, no problem. I won't feed the bears anymore. You know, and I'll pick up what I got. And then, but the, and the whole point to what old bear was talking about, if you stop feeding them, the reason why the DNR got involved was they were called. The families that lived on that road started having experiences. You know, mm -hmm. one of the neighbors I'm good friends with, the other one hates me, which I don't blame them at this point. But the one showed me, she says, when I was out there, she flagged me down and said, you know, I'm really sorry we had to do this. But and she showed me the video that their uh, security lights were coming on at 2, 3 in the morning. And so they watched the footage and see empty four-pound peanut butter jars come bouncing in the yard and set off the motion lights. So I'm like, okay, well, there you go. And she says, yep. And then, you know, that was after two weeks of being gone. The third week was when the guy that hates me had one peeking in his window at his daughter. So, and he took a picture of that, sent it to the neighbors, you know, and then they showed it to me and deleted the picture. She said, this is why we can't have you out here doing this. I said, hey, okay, no problem. So that was when, you know, I think within a couple of weeks, Val got, you know, I got in touch with Val and he touched with you and it was okay to come on the show and for me to tell people don't feed them because I thought I was in control that whole time. They'll never cross the line. And it's like, no, they, they, they have control. They had it then, they had it now, they will have it as long as I go out there. Right, right. Yeah. Well, Brian, if you don't mind, I got a question for you. Yeah. 
Um, the guy that everything he doesn't like you because he was looking at his daughter. What color hair was his daughter? Do you know? No, I don't. I've never seen his daughter. They um, and the reason why they don't like me actually, well, they probably don't even like me more because of that incident. But um, when I was driving, somebody was walking down the road, you know, because it is pub it's public land. Right. Two track. Somebody's walking down this two track and all of a sudden I'm driving and they shine this great big mag light in my eyes. I'm like, what the heck? And then I don't know who they are. And they're like, you can see they're mad. And I'm like, well, heck, I don't know. I'm carrying, but I'm not going to stop because if this goes south, I'm going to get in trouble for not going because in Michigan, that's the law. If you can keep going, you keep going. So apparently that was the, the neighbor that that was where he started not to like me because I wouldn't stop. So mm -hmm. he really doesn't like me because I, you know, basically I'm responsible for Bigfoot starting to window peep his daughter. That was a second story window. So, whoa. I mean, it was a big one because the picture I took, Bob Daigle, um, you know, the night I got chased out, Bob Daigle, I sent it to Val, Val sent it to Bob Daigle, and I thought, he tells me send it to Bob Daigle. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get shredded on this. He's going to lighten this up. There's going to be something I didn't see, you know, whatever. And he's like, no, you got three in this picture. You know, here's two. Here's the other one over here. And looking at the uh, size, as best I can tell, it's 10 foot plus. I mean, they're big shadows, you know, and those were 23 inch prints. So, it was huge. The one I saw wasn't that big. Whatever. So I actually walked in between those three. Yeah. Didn't do so and uh, so the one I saw was closer to eight. I'm guessing. So I mean, there's a whole family could have, you know, had a barber buffet if they really wanted to, but obviously they were just willing to let me leave in peace. So. Yeah, because I could have raised you were right about then. The I don't know. Well, I'm going to say this. Whenever a Bigfoot is standing up, they're not standing full erect because of their weight and their body size. Yeah. Their knees are still bent. So there's three or four inches in height, and they tend to lean forwards over yeah. top of their knees. So now you're losing another three or four more inches. So add a, a half a foot to eight inches in height to get their actual height. Yeah. When, you, you when you're at, you're seeing a big foot. Yeah. And it's and funny you say that because in the picture, this one is leaning forward, looking out from behind the tree. Mm -hmm. And the one next to it is standing sideways. And you can see the bend in his knees because it's got like an S curve where his butt is and then the legs go down. Mm -hmm. and it's, so, so, yeah, you. I mean, I mean if you estimate one at eight foot, you might need to add six to eight inches in height. Yeah. So they're over eight feet. You know, that's that's like the one that I, the first one I seen when I was sixteen years old. Um, I went back afterwards and measured the, the rock that it walked out from behind, and. It's, uh, yeah, it was over eight foot. It was eight foot four. 
to be able to see the top of its head over over top the rock. But how lucky were you not to get touched? Sorry. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was a whole lot of things that could have happened that. Because, like, the reach would have got you, you know, if he stood up and uncurled his curvature of the spine kind of thing, you know, and stood up and easily got you. When you look at the picture, and then I went back the next day and tried to recreate those two steps. And like I said, I'm six foot, you know, I'm bodybuilder, power lifter right in between that area. And with the snow, every step, it took me seven or eight steps to equal those two. Plus, I was pushing snow. There was no push snow in between those two marks. Mm -hmm. Step, step, gone. Mine, as you can see me kicking through the snow and... And then when you look how close I was on each side, I was 10 foot most on each yeah. side from over there. So Well, anytime you find a print, Brian, mm-hmm. if, you know, you measure the print, get an accurate length of the print, for every uh, two inches, a rule of thumb is about if it's a 22 inch print, it's an 11 foot creature. So 23 would be 11 and a half. Wow. So that's, yeah. Uh, that's that's a big been, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Every two inches is approximately one foot. That is correct. Rebecca yeah. wants yeah. to know did that guy that got hit with the dung, did he, did he ever call the lo- local authorities or the police? No. He didn't call anybody. I would he not. Just, he just, after he blew up his clothes and threw all that stuff all over the place, because it ended up, the, the consistency of it was enough to where he could sling it, but once it hit him in the face, it started dripping down on the front of his clothes, on his shirt. You know, he's out there in a, pair of shorts and a and a t-shirt or collared shirt like I wear and and um, you know it, it, it just kind of like slid down his face and down onto his clothes and uh, he uh, after he got out of the shower and it blew him and he blew this stuff up he went back inside and proceeded to drink a Fifth of Jack Daniels is what he said. <laughs> Fair enough. Wow. So, like I'm not laughing at him, you know. Like it, I'm trying well, not to, you know. Well, I understand. I mean, you know, he 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 kind of laughed at it. He said it is kind of funny, but at the time, he said I had. He said I I was mad when it hit me in the face. But then when I cleaned my eyes and saw what threw it, he couldn't believe that he was in that situation. Yeah. And also and he, that he didn't get knocked out cold. Yeah. Like it would have hurt. Oh, he, he he felt it for a couple of days. His face was all red. And, ah. Did it yeah, leave a rash or anything? No, he didn't leave him with a rash or anything, but his face was, you know, where he got hit in the face with it, and the back of his hand was red from the, the velocity that it threw it. Wow. 
because they can. I've had them throw rocks at me from 50, 60, 70 yards and get hit in the back with it. And it, it, and they tend to throw, when they throw rocks at you, they tend to throw them up and that way gravity pulls them down to where they want them. And I've been hit with intent. And when they hit you with a rock, you know it instantly. It hurts. It would. That's so strong. The girl that with had red hair, Albe, from dowsing. Mm -hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Red hair, blonde hair. This is the way that I've got it figured out that they have interest in females. Blonde hair, first and foremost. Redhead, second. Uh, Dark-haired brunettes, third. Uh, any variation on blonde, it doesn't make any difference. Strawberry blonde, sandy blonde, it's what blonde hair. Over? Well. <laughs> I'm safe. <laughs> no, not really. Because oh. it, it's an unusual hair color. Oh, I suppose it shines out in the light, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so dear. Looking for something they don't already have in their population, my hair stands out. Yeah, that yeah. was like when we were in Mexico. My little brother had, like, white curly hair. And everywhere we went was a nightmare because everyone wanted to touch his hair, you know, because of the sacred uh, – they've got a sacred thing they feel about blonde yep. and white and color but he hated it everywhere we went they kept trying to touch him but that's similar to what you're saying yeah you know there's you know throughout north american history the indians tell of certain bigfoots coming and grabbing you know their women well, most Indian tribes had black hair. Then when the European settlers came here, there's tales of them fixating on blondes and redheads almost exclusively in certain areas. Um, and I can tell you this, uh, a friend of mine, he's pretty brave guy. Um, and did not believe in Bigfoot. And he said, let's go Bigfooting one night. And this was 20 plus years ago. And he, uh, brought his girlfriend. She's a platinum blonde. It's his wife now. And she was in between me and him. Well, he's 20 feet in front of her. She's 10 feet in front of me and she screamed and I turn around and there's an arm reaching out from behind a tree trying to grab her. <sighs> and when she screamed, she ran to me like, what in the world are you running to me? Don't bring the trouble to me. Let <laughs> me go to the trouble and deal with that trouble. And when he saw, when he turned around, he saw it. 
Are you like over six foot two as well? No, I'm only I've I used to be five eleven. I lost an inch or so in height over the years. Same. Rebecca wants to know: Do you think hair color over oddity, size, shape, or age or height makes any difference? Um, from what I've gathered, um, when it comes to when it comes to these creatures, if you're 36, 24, 36, and blonde haired, you're in trouble. Don't go in the woods alone. Um, they they like certain body types. <coughs> I, I kind of compare it to, you know, when guys go out to bars, they, they fixate on certain women. You know, they have their preferences and, you know, chest size, hips, whatever. That's basically what a Bigfoot will do. Wow. Well, I don't know. And for both of you guys, could the color relate to giants of Ireland, Scotland, somehow on the history, genetics, the DNA, and et cetera? Highly possible. What do you well, think? Well, the... The red collar, uh, when it comes to hair and stuff like that, or is it the hair collar in the Bigfoot or the hair collar in the women that they're pursuing? Yeah, or the, oh. what they're seeing in their color. Yeah. Because they have better night vision than they do day vision. Yeah. At least that's what's bared out to me. I guess it could be a physical attraction then, yes. Yeah. So, Rebecca, yeah. I mean, I mean, they're they're a thinking creature. They can think on a human level. You know, they probably have emotional emotions like humans. Yeah. And they have preferences. You know what they want in a female Bigfoot. Or a female human. Or it could be the male. Because I've had an account of two female Bigfoots coming to a truck driver parked on the interstate ramp, on ramp, at night in Virginia. All because of his cologne. Really? Yeah, they were cooing outside of his tractor. That sounds like Mike Scott. It's okay, honey. Talk to me. <laughs> yeah. I found this article about this Bigfooty that was transported from Botany Bay in Australia. It's a bit hard to read. You've got it, Grizzy. I sent it through, but I can't blow it up to read. And apparently this poor Bigfooty, they had him in chains and everything, and they took him over. Imagine how long it took on the ship. This is in the 1800s. You know, so they're looking at what a couple of months trip, something like that, to get over there. And the um, poor Bigfooty, when, when he got to England, they kind of made a bit of a show of him, you know, and people came to look at him and stuff like that. And the more the people looked at him, the more he got upset, of course. And then I tried to find out what happened to him after that, you know, to see if if he went traveling anywhere else. Um, because the gen, if it was if it's genetics and you you're talking genetics of one certain area, you know, with um, 
or the conditions being right for that particular variety. Um, if he went to Pommyland, no offence, Pommyland, um, if he went to England and stayed there, or we don't know if he stayed there and then he went elsewhere, or if he bred in England and then we don't know. I can't find what happened to him after that. It all went quiet. But um, different size, different fur, face was different than what you guys see. Like, it, like I can't expand it. I sent it to you, Grizzy, on an email a while ago. It's got the whole article there. Yeah, we actually covered, I think, that case a while back ago on one of the shows and, and – uh... The documentation went code once it went to England. It's like yeah. it got covered up. Well, Cap, I hate to say this, but if it went cold, that Bigfoot probably didn't survive. Oh. The government probably stepped in and took it and euthanized it. Well, that's sad. When I'm um, changing the subject, I've, I'm, you know how I'm cleaning up the house and everything. I've been going through all the photos and everything like that. Um. In about 1979, I was doing a computer course over in London. We ended up going on the train up to Scotland and Skye. Um, those beautiful old trains, you know, the windows open and they all rattle and you can get sunburned out the window, that type of train, real old rattler. Anyway, we were on the train. I remember this clearly. We were on the train and we were going past Loch Ness, you know, the Loch Ness. And I remember saying to mum, what was that? And all the trees started going weird. I found the photo. I don't know if you can see this. Can you see? Oh, hang on. That's back to, oh, it's back to front. I see the castle. Yeah, you see that big black thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But can you see? Don't look at my fingernails. Um, Here? Oh, hang on. I can't. See on the left here? I see trees. There. Hang on. The big black spot? Yeah. Check it out. What is it? I don't know, but all the trees I remember, because they're big, tall trees, that castle's a big castle, I remember saying, what was that? Because all the trees were flowing like but in the left that corner there it almost looks like a great big whopper big footy can you see that it's hard to see through the camera yeah, but I yeah. Think you can see there's something there it looks like it but yeah you can see shiny nose that's interesting me. but that was a very weird area that going past that Loch Ness area the the all the energies i was only young and you know not into it what i'm like now but straight away you could pick up something was weird all the trees just went whoosh, all of a sudden that was in near sky so i'm wondering you know um and have you heard of finmore in um i think it's scotland they, mm. it's a special sacred kind of energy center and everything grows really, really big, like really big, big tomatoes, big strawberries. Um, it's a super duper strong energy. They have special healing seeds and special little blue flowers, and it's a really sacred energy spot. Um, but I'm wondering if they grow big ones, big footies, 
big, 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 big footies. Well, um, we know, like in the United States, you know, they get different sizes in different parts of the country. Like in Florida, you know, we have the Swamp and Skunk Ape, right? In Pacific Northwest, and they get bigger up there. Uh, so, I mean, that is a possibility. Yeah. So There's a lot well, of underground up there as well. Go to Alaska. Right. You get to Alaska and, and the North Territories in Canada, you're talking reports of 14, 16, 18 feet. I say I couldn't fathom that. That's wild. Well, you can make me a quick log cabin. <laughs> well, Alaska, that's where the uh, Prince of Wales, right? Yeah. Prince of Wales Island, where a bunch of the big ones have been. I've seen a bunch of TV shows that go to Prince of Wales, and all of a sudden they hear, you know, they'll see a grizzly bear on the beach. Something will happen, and a grizzly bear runs like crazy, and then all of a sudden out walks a 12-footer, they say. Yeah. So they got to be big enough to intimidate a huge bear like that. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, what's the name of that island where that city, the, there was a cannery there? Uh, and then all of a sudden, all the people left. Oh, yeah, they did a season on that. Uh, I know what you're talking about. I am too. And if I, yeah, uh, Alaska, uh, a killer Bigfoot or something, yeah, they did a show on that, yeah, Chatham. Chatham, Alaska, or something like that, yeah, where they, um, uh, well, the, the, yeah, where the cannery was and reports were. Hunters, very skilled hunters, would go out to hunt to bring meat into the town, and they would disappear. Now, these guys were killing grizzlies, uh, and the grizzlies in that area are in that 10, 11-foot range, and that's, that's a big grizz. That's... That's like a 1,500 pounds, something like that. And, uh, you know, for a grizz that size to be afraid of something, because all the grizzly left and they couldn't find any game right before the, the city, before everybody left. I mean, they started leaving in droves was out of that little town. No, was it a mining place as well? No, there was no mining. It was uh, they were doing. Uh, they were Fish. a cannery. Yeah, and oh, it, there was quite a few people that lived there and worked there, and you know, some hunters started disappearing. People started disappearing. They would leave to go to the outhouse and not come back. That kind of thing. That's right. I Think of the that. size of the Bigfoot that had to come move in there and run the grizzly out. That's a Kodiak. That's yeah, those, those big bears like that, they have no fear of anything. No, so no. there had to be something, you know, 12, right. 13, 14 feet, 15 feet. Yeah. That's, you know, come in there and move them out. Port Chatham. Port Chatham, yeah. And if I remember right, they had, wasn't it after a couple of days, they'd start finding pieces of the hunters floating down the river? Yes. 
Yeah. That in the in the back creek and bodies, yes, shredded apart. And they even had um they had even called in uh I think at the time I think uh they were still kind of had the Royal Canadian Mounted Police come in and do an investigation. And they had the U.S. government come in and do an investigation, and they started finding bones of grizzly bones and stuff like that uh, piled up in the forest in certain places. Mm. That's 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 not where grizzlies go and die. They don't. You don't find their bones. Mm. You, you don't find the black bear's bones here in the state of West Virginia. Well, you don't you know, find they haven't been back up there and filmed again either. Yeah, and there's a reason behind that. Ron Moorhead didn't stick around up there either, did he? Nope. So no, they flew him up there more than a night, do they? Ron didn't. Ron yeah, went up it's... there and uh, brought out all that equipment, and he told him to beware what you know what to play on the loudspeaker, but. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's like the same day. Yeah, so. send me. I'll go up there. I don't care. Uh, I love your intention. It, it wouldn't bother me. Okay. No, the only thing good. they can do is you know, it, you know, if it's going to come at you, it's going to come at you. You know, if if it's willing to take on mankind when they had, you know, simple weapons and stuff like that, you know, it's 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 got to be brave enough. There there has to be a breeding population of Bigfoot in that area for them to still be there. Yeah, and it has to be game rich, and you know, fish and everything else in that area that they can survive on if if they're there they can come on down and if they've got all lush you know plenty of food plenty of water their you know they're genetics good. would be increasing in yep. you know the stronger survive kind of natural selection yep. side of things do you think it's the case like in what is uh reptiles have that he uh indeterminate growth where the growth is controlled by the food yeah so if you want to keep things small you 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 don't feed it as much if you want it to get huge and you feed it everything you can so well, you think that's the same with bigfoot is they get it's just according to the food source they're able to get well you go to look at the size of the skunk ape in florida the bigfoot in louisiana near the ocean they're six, seven, eight feet. The further you come north, the bigger they get. I've had reports of 12-foot Bigfoot here in West Virginia. And hands are different? Just bigger size. They're pretty much all the same. Like no difference in like, you know, claws or depending on what food source they have. Like if they're near the water and they eat lots of fish in that, or if they're in the woods and they're more, I don't know. Well, the, the difference in their hands, I don't think it's based upon where they live. 
uh, it just bases upon, you know, what type of thing they have to do. You know, if they have to hunt meat all the time and don't have a big supply of natural food other than meat, it, it depends on that. Because there's different types of them. You know, the skunk ape is what I would consider a type four. What I consider a gugway. Because they're very hostile towards humans. Um, they run people out of the woods. They follow people out of the woods. Um, and they've been known to have very... Um, Hostile interactions with humans. Um, I've not, you know, I have heard of Bigfoot, you know, the, the skunk ape. It's killed people, um, but, you, you know, the DNR in the States always attribute it to bears, and the bear in Florida are 100 pounds, and that's a big bear. They are stronger than humans, but bears don't tear people apart. No. And they don't um, flung down. No. <laughs> Charles Rudd wants to know, do you know Sasquatch tribes have wars and that's why some trees are found upside down? What's that mean when you see trees upside down? That is a territory marker, typically. Um, it's to show the strength of the alpha. Typically, the alpha and the strength of the males in his tribe. If they have to put one of them up, it's telling another tribe that's invading the area, you're not wanted here, leave us alone. If you keep coming, we will deal with you in our way. Wow. Now, that makes sense because... There was a time, not this summer, but the previous summer, I went out, and as I'm walking down where I normally go, there's this cherry tree upside down. You know, it wasn't rammed in the ground, but it was pulled from the ground, and the root end was straight up. And so I'm looking around, and I found a set of 19-inch tracks. And normally when I'm out, I find 27 and 17, and those and baby ones, like six inches. I mm -hmm. never, it's the first and only time I found a set of 19, so maybe that was a, a male passing through, and he got told, because there was another cherry tree around. I couldn't even figure out how that cherry tree got there. Well, oh, wow. a cherry tree pulled out of the ground and upside down, that's a food source. That is, I would say, a blatant, uh, like, kiss my butt. If you don't like it, move me. Oh, gotcha. Because they beat the crap out of the cherry trees out there. All about yeah. eight foot. And they just snap them off. It's like... Yep. They don't eat them. Oh, they eat them. Yeah, I never find the tops. So I can just see where the trees are snapped. And I look around for them and never see them. Oh, wow. So I don't, I don't know if they carry them off somewhere or what. But. You got you got bear in your area, Brian? Surprisingly, um, there are a ton of bear. But where I'm at, I've never found a bear print, scat, nothing. But that's because the big are in there, and that's the mega predator. 
and that's what I wonder too if they if the males keep them away from the little ones or because literally oh, just yeah. a couple miles down the road, you know, I got bluff yeah. charged. A uh, friend and I went out. What was it? Before my surgery, about a week before my surgery, and we were going to go check his deer stand. And so we went into this place, and he had his shotgun out because we had heard about bear there. And out of the woods, this thing exploded before I could, and its belly was only three or four inches off the ground. It was a big, fat black bear. Mm -hmm. And he got with a 10 foot and then hopped across the road before either one of us could blink. So that yeah. was my first bear, close up bear encounter, you know, just a few weeks ago. But where I'm at, people are sending me pictures of the doors, bears walking up on their door and knocking down their bird feeders. But in this particular area, nothing. Even at night when I go out, I haven't found a bear track yet. Well, wow. that's the reason is because there's probably a family in there. And the alpha male, if it finds a bear in its territory, because bear are omnivores and they'll eat anything, um, you know, um, you know, we hunt bear down here in West Virginia, and uh, you know, we found bears that have baby diapers and everything else in their stomach. And uh, if a bear could probably, if a bear can get to a little one, I would dare to say that little one's in a world of hurt. Unless mommy's around or daddy's around and then, you know, it, it, the bear will be running soon. Uh, they're very protective over their young, just like we are over our kids. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's just, that's just something that they deal with constantly. It's the same as we do. You know, we go out here and take our kids to the park. You know, we watch other people. We don't watch the kids so much. We keep them in with our peripheral vision, but we watch other people to make sure they're not watching our kids. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask a hard yeah, I know there's a family because uh, a few weeks ago, I actually, I came across a few, you know, little small tracks, you know, I put a picture of mine, it was less than half the size of my foot. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of funny, because I sent it to a friend to look at, you know, to make sure that's what I was seeing. And, you know, because it was barefoot, but it was really deep. I was surprised how deep it was. And he's like, yeah, that's a cool track. He says, well, what about the big one? And I'm like, what big one? And he's like, the one you're standing in. <gasps> and I look in the pictures, and sure enough, my heel is in the heel of another adult mm -hmm. and it's probably five or six inches up and then you can see the toes i'm like holy crap he says yeah they don't go far from their young so yeah well, that and, and, and you'll be surprised too most of the time when you find a young track you don't find the slender track of the female you won't see her track because when the young are out they go out with the male. Big daddy. Oh. Yeah. Because females are to take care of the young, you know, their their food needs, you know, teach them, you know, how to be, how to survive in, in the clan. But when it comes to the male, 
the male takes them out when they're a certain age, I guess. About like, you know, like I took my my son out or he takes his his sons out hunting and stuff like that. And he'll take them with him and let them play. But yet he's still teaching them how to survive in the woods, what to look for, what not to get around and things like that and what he can eat and everything like that. And usually if you find a track that's more than six inches long, it's, it's a, it's a juvenile, but it's, it's learning from dad. So I took a picture and, uh, uh, if like I said, if anybody ever wants to see this stuff, I'm more than happy to send it to them. I try not, you know, I'm a pretty open book about it. Um, went out and there was this tree, and about ten foot up was a tree break that wasn't there the mm-hmm. week before, bent right down, and directly underneath it, closer to five feet up, was another tree break bent down the same way. I thought, well, God, maybe Junior had a play date with Dad or something, because mm-hmm. I've never seen him one above the other. So. Well, it's 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 probably what happened was dad reached up and broke the tree off, and then the little one reached up and probably had to bounce and break it. But you know, it, it's it's a dad's teaching them how to show a sign of strength and you know what they have to reach for when they get bigger. So, I mean, that's that's normal. That that would be normal for. A Bigfoot or for a human, you know, because, you know, when I was, when my son was younger, you know, I take him hunting and, you know, he's four foot tall. I'd reach up there at six or seven, you know, as far as I could reach and grab a limb and break it off and go, now see how strong dad is. And he would try it too, you know, and it's just, it's just a game, you know, it's something for dad to play with the kids and, and still a learning yeah, so I did that with my son, not, not trees, but, you know, cause I like, I've been working in a gym since I was 16 years old. Yeah. So I tried to introduce my son to the weights when he was old enough to start moving a barbell. And, yeah. You know, so that makes okay. a lot of sense. Now I hate to uh, slam on the brakes and switch gears. What's your opinion on dog man? My opinion on dog man. Yeah. I want nothing to do with them. I've seen three of them. Well, oh, wow. two dog men and one that was a werewolf. And I want nothing to do with them. They feel like pure evil. They look like pure evil. Um, and when I seen the one that resembled a werewolf, it looked directly at me. And when I looked at, I looked up and saw it, it was already looking at me and I felt like I was being sized up, whether I could be eaten or if I was going to be trouble and eaten or if I was going to be nothing but trouble and it eaten. So it was making decision. And the reason I asked that is because, uh, well, obviously all the reports and everything, somebody they're seeing something. Mm-hmm. I had heard a story when I was younger and I finally asked, remember to ask my mom about it because I didn't want to say something about a story I heard without knowing for sure that it was true. Cause you know how kids are, we'll blow stuff up in our imaginations. Mm-hmm. And so I asked her about it last week and she confirmed that uh, 
when they were living down south in Nuevo, Michigan, which is way down toward like the border. Mm -hmm. uh, one night, everybody's in the living room doing their thing, and all of a sudden, in through the living room window comes their German shepherd that they had tied outside on a chain with the chain wrapped around the dog. And it was dead and comes flying, crashing through the window. You know, the door starts shaking a little bit and everybody, you know, starts. My grandpa grabs his gun, grabs the four kids, four sons with their guns, and they go outside. It's foggy. They can't really see a whole lot. And my grandpa was in World War II and he's like, well, we're not going to get ambushed. So they climbed the ladder up on the house. Mm -hmm. sat there with lights and he had a some kind of spotlight and they did get a good glimpse of it so they you know he, they know what they saw and this was the same family that had experiences with bigfoot like six years later in a different area but they sat up there the whole night with the spotlights waiting for this thing to come back to shoot it only got one good glimpse it wasn't really a safe shot so they didn't take it and that's what Stanley Stones was referring to, because I didn't want to say anything about, uh, you know, something I didn't know for sure about, but she confirmed that they actually shoved the china cabinet in front of the window to make sure it didn't come in. Wow. And, you know, and my grandpa sat up on the roof all night because of this thing. Well, so, you know what's really, well, I'm going to use the word funny, but it's not funny. It's not laughable. The accounts that I've heard about dogmen or the proverbial werewolf, they seem to try doors. Bigfoot doesn't do that. Hmm. For some reason, they're, you know, Bigfoot's got them big hands and they can turn, they, I, I dare to say they probably can turn a doorknob if it's unlocked. But it seems like they kind of understand that a door is meant no go. You know, that's what it's there for. It's telling other humans, if my door's shut, you're not allowed in. And they kind of understand that they don't try doors. Uh, only the super aggressive ones I've ever heard of, they, you know, but they don't, they don't try to open a door. They just push it down. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to these, these dog men or werewolves, they seem to try to, to open a door. I don't know, you know, if, if they're the typical dog, they got claws at the end of their hand. And with their size, that makes their claws longer. So why are they trying to open a door and turn a doorknob when they got claws in the way and they can't get enough grip on the, on the handle to turn it? And, and, but it's always dog men try to open a door. The Bigfoot don't seem to do that, unless it's the aggressive type of that unhumans. And they probably wouldn't bother opening the door. They just bowl their way through. Yeah, they just, they just push the door over. Uh, yeah, that's all the, what was it, the, the cowman in Texas incident where the guy shot one and then, no, he, he missed it, but it wound up just blowing through the door while he was gone. Yeah. You know. Can I ask a horrible question? With shooting, does the same ammo penetrate the same it would another like another large animal or not? Does it just bounce off or will it penetrate? Bounces? Nope. Same. It, 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 it'll, it'll enter into the body when it's a Bigfoot 
nine times out of ten, most of us that shoot at a Bigfoot try to shoot it in the chest. Yeah. Worst place to ever shoot a Bigfoot. Um, they, they're super thick on muscle. They're dense muscle. You got oversized bone that's there to protect their chest. You know, they got lungs and a heart just like we do. Um, you know, they could have, you know, but their heart is oversized. It's a lot bigger than ours. Um, but shooting one in the chest is an exercise in futility. That's that's what I imagined. Because I imagine their chest is like the King Kong kind of, you know, full abs, the whole bit. Six-pack. You know, to me, I imagine it kind of not not being easy to get through. Sorry, all big feeties out there. We're not going to do it to you. We're just asking. But so, that, that's what I imagine it kind of hard so to get I, through that part. So with me in law enforcement, we have, uh, when I was in law enforcement, we have special ammunition uh, that we have to use that's uh, FBI approved. Mm -hmm. Uh, ballistics uh, mm -hmm. penetrate so many inches with uh, clothing and penetrate bone and so forth uh, that was not available to the general public uh, for penetration to stop the threat. So uh, now with technology and materials available on the market now for self-defense ammo that has changed the game for civilians. So uh, we had uh, ammo that we were issued that we were only allowed to carry for that reason on and off duty. Mm -hmm. So I can only well, say that. Chris, if you remember the quite a few years ago, the ammo called Black Talon, Yes, that was outlawed. Yeah. And the reason it was outlawed was because it would penetrate completely through and pass through and go into anyone standing behind and kill them also. Right. Teflon coated. The That type of ammo will not penetrate the chest of a Bigfoot. Oh, that's, what that. I was, that's what I was asking for. You know, like, wow. It'll come in, but it doesn't go deep enough because of the dense muscle. Yeah, it, it, well, you got to think if 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 it's winter time, Bigfoot's got winter hair. Yeah, you know they lose hair in the spring and the summer, so they can stay cooler and not overheat. Um, but in the winter, in the fall, in the winter, just like a, a white-tailed deer does, it gets a second coat. So do Bigfoot. So that can stop a lot of penetration because of the density of the hair. Yeah. It's just like clothing. If if you use certain type if you use ammo and a guy's got on one of them big thick heavy carhartt coats and he's got a heavy sweater underneath, sweatshirt, you know, he's trying to stay warm. It's it's 10 degrees outside and a human being has to put on layers to stay warm just to walk yeah. down the street. So the ammunition that 
law enforcement is issued will penetrate the clothing and into a human being. But we don't have the dense muscle mass yeah. and the thick bone that a Bigfoot does. Yeah. Yeah, it'll penetrate into the hair and into the muscle, but that's about as far as it'll go. That's You'll like blow the muscle off. Had, yeah, like if you had a – oh, got to be careful. If you, if you um, Like if you were doing it to Brian as opposed to me, it would go straight through because Brian's got – rocks <laughs> that's why that's why in self-defense you always use hollow points and not ball ammo because ball yeah. ammo will over penetrate angel Lake wants to know when you go into the woods looking for bigfoot you go with weapons or no weapons if with weapons for protection if with weapons they may not see you as a threat will they leave you alone what's your preferences what's your all's preferences and why Brian, you go with that one first. <laughs> I was going to say, I think you and I go in the woods for very different reasons. So um, I don't carry because every time I do carry, nothing happens. And so I leave it in the truck. If, um, you know, and when I did carry, like I said, nothing happens, but it was only because I worry about other people more than I was worried about mm. what would happen at that point so i do leave it in the truck you know just in case if somebody's hanging by my thought hey i'm in the woods easy target i'll just wait for him to get in his truck so well, yeah when I, go out, I tend not to take it with me just because i don't know if they smell the gun oil or what they smell but something says okay we're not hanging out today well the thing of it is as soon as you step out of your vehicle they know you're there yeah um, I don't ever, ever go in the woods without carrying a large caliber handgun and a rifle. Um, I've ran into too many of the types that will hunt you over the years. Um, I lost my mentor because of that, because he never carried. And I wouldn't, but probably 75, 50 to 75 feet away from me. No sound from him. And they took him. That's all I can say. Um, so since that point in time, I have always carried. I always will carry. As long as I go in the woods, I don't care if I'm going bow hunting. I have a firearm on my hip. Um, you never know what kind you're going to run into and I have no problem if Brian goes in the woods and, and, and you know they interact with him and you know walk him out that's probably type 2's type 1 or 3's you know the human, human type or the ones they call the Cro-Magnon type um you know, they just don't want you there. They they're they're there for a reason. They just don't want you interfering with their reason, and they'll walk you out. But there's always that chance of running into the Gudway or Janosqua. Those are man eaters, and I don't want. My wife goes with me, so it's my job 
to make sure she gets out. Or if I've got a friend with me, it's my job to make sure that he gets out. It's, it has nothing to do with being afraid of them. Yeah. I, I can walk up and be within 10, 20 feet of them. And, you know, as long as they don't charge me, I'm good. I've been charged a bunch and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I've been charged with nothing but a machete on my hip by a female. That was the scariest time that I've ever been charged. And you know how you said you had three call-outs recently? Mm-hmm. In your in your guts and that, if you hear of one certain area that you're going back to that's more – are there any that are more, uh-oh, scary than the others, other places? Like um, Yes, there's a certain area in Ohio uh, in uh, Muskingum and Coshocton counties. Uh, near Coshocton, the town of Coshocton, um, that if I go in, if I have to go there, I'm going to take every heavy weapon that I can find. That's what I was asking. Yep. And, and, and there's same for here in West Virginia, uh, a place in Nicholas County, West Virginia, that if I go in there, um, I got, I got a tree shoved down on top of me one night. And I was told in no uncertain terms, you're not wanted here, you come back, we will deal with you our way. So, yeah, there's there's certain areas that I've been in um, here in West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, um, Virginia. Uh, there's certain areas that I, I just refuse to go there because, hey, my wife goes with me now. and. You know, I, I, I won't go in that area with her. Um, yeah. If it's me alone, I, I'll probably go. But otherwise, I'm not. No, I'm not going because of her. No. You know what? Have babe. you been up in Michigan? Have I been to Michigan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can, you can keep those up there, too, by the way. So Brian's got some scary places, more scary than others as well. Yeah. 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 Manistee National Forest. Everybody keeps telling me, oh, you got to go there for big. You're gonna, it's like, no, I'm not going there because Dogman is also very big there. And, well, uh, they mm-hmm. actually have, it started last summer where they, they put gates and fences up over parts of the park that used to be open. And there were signs. One of the guy, a friend of mine, asked them as they were putting up this huge fence across the trail. You know what's the deal we go back here all the time and they're like well not anymore it's due to aggressive wildlife aggressive wildlife yeah that was oh, the term you hear kind of well, through the rumor mill that it was dog you know dog man incidents giving campers a really hard time yeah well uh brian uh, in michigan here not too long ago i got a, an account of a certain group of people that wanted to portray themselves as druids went into the woods and didn't come out didn't find them was that and that the was UP? not dog men was that the up or the lower peninsula that was the lower lower so you know 
and, and it's not too far. It's not too far into Michigan away from, um, what is that? Toledo or no mommy Ohio. Oh, okay. Yep. Right down. I, yeah. Depending on where that was at. I lived probably an hour from there at Any one point not anymore. You know, if it was around the St. Joe Buchanan area in Michigan. I think it was around the St. Joe. Saint, yeah, that was. That was before I was willing to tell anybody my story. So I wasn't looking that. And I don't think I'm going to go look now down there. But yeah, Manistee National Forest scares the crap out of me. Do you reckon yeah, there are any underground down. links to those Pardon? two places? Was there I what? think there's probably some built by them. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they'll they'll dig their own dens for the winter. They're not above it. Because you've got such a huge underground system over there. I well, think. yeah. I mean, you go to Greenbrier County, West Virginia, and there's 20 miles of charted cave system. There's still many more miles under that county alone that isn't charted. Yeah, and also I know you've got a lot of man-made stuff under there as well. Yeah, you got a lot of coal mines. Long, long, long way. Well, you go into the coal mines, you know, the coal mine areas here in West Virginia, once they're done pulling the coal out of a, out of a coal mine, if they leave it up, they mean to come back to it at a later time because of the coal. But Bigfoot will use those. Those things might go two miles underground. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. So, yeah, Bigfoot will use anything that we've done. If it, if they find it suitable for what, you know, they're living, they'll live in it. They don't care. Well, that makes sense. And, you know, like lately we've got a lot of seismic act activity happening. <coughs> and um, there's a lot of our undersea volcanoes and um, that mm -hmm. are playing up at the moment. Um, like we're not seeing it visibly on top, but underneath it's really causing quite, we're expecting a seven, like we're worried. Um, but all this underground activity that we don't, you know, you might feel a little bit, but if they're underground in the cave systems or the tunnel systems or whatever they're down in, I would assume you'd have more sightings of them coming out after all this seismic activity and with the fires and floods, you'd see different action at different times because they'd have to come out somehow. But, but with the seismic activity, it's getting very, very shaky down there at the moment. So I'm expecting more visitors outside, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would say you're probably right with, you know, you, you go into these old mines that are abandoned or, or they've stopped, you know, mining coal. You know, they don't, they don't expect, unless they plan on going back into it in a year or two, they don't put timbers up and roof bolts and all that stuff up to hold it up. They, they leave it alone, whatever they've got in there, that's, that's it for them. If they want to go back in, they'll open it back up, whatever they got to do to open it up. Um. But that's because it's it's worth their worth their time, worth sending miners in and and uh, mining the coal out of it 
because it's a hundred dollars a ton, hundred fifty a ton, you know, something they'll make good money from. Yeah. Um, but if it's not going to be touched, you know, that seam of coal that was left in there, if it's fifty, sixty dollars a ton or eighty dollars a ton, that's not worth the coal company's time. And whatever they've got in there, they leave it until they have to go back in and get it. It might be five, ten, fifteen years, but they can get back into it. Yeah. So over that time, you know, you might have earthquakes or whatever and and you know, even in West Virginia we we you know we felt uh, the tremors from an earthquake in Virginia or something. And and it kind of makes you think, well, if we fill it up here above ground, what is it doing underground? Exactly. You know, how many of them have had to rush out at night or in the broad daylight, you know, from that deep down in the mine? Yeah. Like, that, like, you know, how dogs and cats get, like, or other all animals get the sense before we do. So they'd be bolting out of there on the first shake, whereas yeah. we would, you know, we'd be waiting hours, eight hours or something before we get out of there. But, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But And the other thing I was going to ask, you know, with the gifting, Brian, I got onto this person over here. I think he dumped me. <laughs> but anyway, he was out gifting um, and leaving prezzies for the big feedies and he left particular stones. I know I brought this up before. Um, he left particular stones and he realised that um, the big footy was only taking particular ones you know like say he'd leave five so um he would be taking different ones so i contacted him and uh, i asked him if he could put out like a selection of specific stones you know that i know vibrate differently um and i because i wanted to see i was trying to get at what what you know their colors they see are they interested in shiny are they interested in striations are they interested in hertz you know the vibration uh color you know so i said you know if you had say carnelian which is a red you know you have say hematite which is shiny and it can be magnetic because uh, i was interested in which why they were choosing certain ones and not the others but we didn't get to the end of the experiment. I messed around with a lot of different things and got different reactions to them. Uh, for instance, you know, where I was putting peanut butter, there, it was a rusted out 55-gallon drum. And so I put the peanut butter in there. And then... I also started leaving other things, like I would leave a couple balls, you know, little plastic balls or whatever. Well, the peanut butter would disappear and sometimes the balls would stay there. So I thought, well, maybe they don't like the color. So what I did was I turned around and I bought a glow in the dark ball and I put that in with the peanut butter and both of them disappeared. Ah. I thought, okay, well, that's cool. You know, and I found the jar the next week when I went out, but I didn't find the ball. And it was, I'd have to look at the picture days, but somewhere between five and six months later, I came back and that ball was back in the barrel. Oh, wow. I'm like, what the heck? So I'm looking at it and there's not a bite mark on it. There's not a claw mark. It's not chewed. I'm like, 
And then it hit me. I, you know, so I pull up on my shirt and I'm looking down my shirt and the ball quit glowing. So the it was what? almost the ball had quit glowing. It wouldn't glow in the dark anymore. Ah. Wow. And so I turned around and got, you know, they use uh, around Halloween time, you can buy these glow in the dark maggots and worms and stuff. And up here, the, the fishermen buy them right up. They're hard to get a hold of because they use them for fly fishing. And I put a bunch in a plastic jar and stuck that in there and that disappeared even though i had a glow-in-the-dark necklace with it they didn't take the necklace but the jar disappeared and i've yet to find that so uh we would leave had a rubber ducky out there you know like Mm -hmm. ernie and i would leave the duck in one spot and sometimes it sit there for two or three weeks but then all of a sudden i find the duck in another spot and the duck never got chewed up so I take the duck and I would put it back and I find it in another spot. So it kind of became a game at that point. Where was I going to find the duck? Yeah. So the most unnerving part was when I would, uh, and I think I told the story once I got out of the truck and I had a A&W cream soda. I was treating myself and I had set it down and I went to put peanut butter into one of the trees. And all of a sudden, I can hear something uh, rustle a little bit. And normally, I do a clap. You know, if they're in a good mood, they'll clap back, or I'll get a tree knock <laughs> or something. And I clap. I, instead of clapping, I grab my keys and I thought, let's see what this does. And I jangle my keys really hard. And all of a sudden, I hear crash, crash, crash. And I run back out to the clearing. I can see my truck and I see Big Red, is what I call him, because he's got shoulders on him like this a set of red shoulders and head go over the hill. So I'm looking and I find some tracks by my truck. You know, that was really cool. And I'm looking around and I thought, where'd my pop go? You know, it, it had swiped my AW cream soda off my bumper. <laughs> and then after that, I would start leaving my pop on my truck because I thought, let's see how, how this goes. It didn't happen every time, but probably once a month, I'd come back and that pop bottle would be gone. And I'd start backtracking, and sure enough, I would find my pot bottle at one of the peanut butter spots with the peanut butter gone. Same day. So I don't know if they were just showing me, hey, I can get you anytime, or if they actually thought it was funny or what the deal was. But and was the duck bright yellow as well? Like, yep, regular. It looked just like Ernie's. So they like fluoro green, and they like yellow. Yeah, they like to glow in the dark stuff. That's interesting. Um, was it Yolanda was asking, do they see the same way we see? Um, I don't reckon they do. I think they got uh, – Marty actually brought it up once. Uh, maybe an extra cone or something, kind of like the mantis shrimp, where they see all these different color variations. Because I think they see the IR lights at night. Yeah, I think they do. Don't you yep. think, old bear? You know. Oh, they yeah. They see the trail cameras and motion yep. lights and – because I tried a camera that had, it wasn't a real expensive one, so it had a, its own little IR flashlight. And whenever I you would use that at night, I'd get nothing. You know, I couldn't, I mean, nothing would happen. But I bought a, one of those little Seek thermals that you plug into your phone. And I think I told this before, but, you know, I'm sitting there watching it. But it's the first time I'd used it at night. I'm sitting there watching it, and I could see I have it set for white for hot. And I'm looking, 
and I can see two dark gaps in the trees. So I'm sitting there waiting and waiting. And all of a sudden, I look again. I'm like, why are the gaps getting bigger? I'm like, what the heck? And then I hear a tree break behind me. So I turn around and go to turn around. But as I pass my truck, my truck engine is black. I had it set on black for hot. So these things were walking up the hill at me. I had no clue. I turned it around and they're even closer. They're probably within 30 feet at this point. They're huge. Got in my truck, hit the key. And when I went to put it in drive, I turned the, you know, you know how you push the brake in to pull it in drive. And there were two huge shadows behind my brake lights. Wow. No, I'm good. So I think the only reason why they did that was because they couldn't see the thermal. I don't know. Maybe they were just feeling really frisky that night. But I think if I would have had the other camera, they would have figured out he can see us. But with the thermal, I got the light in my face and I'm just seeing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know know way better than I do. Thermals don't emit, do they? Thermals don't emit. They receive. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, and, And it could be. The two that you had behind you that were coming up to you, they may have been playing the game of let's count coup. <laughs> How close can we get before he sees us? Oh, there you go. They've done that to me. <laughs> and it it's a little unsettling when they get within... 30, 40 feet of you and, and you, you turn around and you look at them and you're like, oh, crap. <laughs> it's yeah. like, where did you come from and why are you getting this close? And it's usually juveniles that are, you know, they're not full grown. They don't have a mate yet, but they're at that age where they still like to play a game, but it's a serious game. And, and they'll do that from time to time. Yeah, I was going to ask Grizzy cool. how he got on with all his footage, you know, with the 38 cameras or however many cameras there were. But it's weird, like, because I, I keep getting this Hertz thing all the time. I keep thinking, well, mm-hmm. they're vibrating at a certain Hertz and we're vibrating at this. If we lift up our vibration to the same Hertz as them, will we be seeing the same as they see? Um, will they see us clearer? Yeah. Um, and the colors, the different colors they see, like you know how cats see different colors. You all right, Rizzy? Yeah, I, I, uh, emergency phone call was a butt dial, so I'm good. Oh, good. Oops. I was just asking. I wonder how Grizzy got on with his cameras, and then we got into Hertz and um, colors well, again, and vibrations. And before you go too far, Kevy, can I ask you a question? Yes. What is it with? What is the difference between the white quartz and, you know, other stones? What's the difference with white quartz? And there's a reason I asked this question. I shall show. I got my babies out yesterday because I keep, you know, I'm fixing up the house. Mm-hmm. This one here, wow. I mm-hmm. found that. That's a beautiful stone yeah. this one see the triangle in that on there yeah i don't know if you could see it that 
was very expensive because of the formation. Um, these are your, are you talking clear quartz? No, the ones I'm talking about are white. Milky They're quartz. white, yes. Yep. Um, there's a bit of white, what you're talking about on the bottom right. of this one. This, this is a smoky, mm -hmm. but it's got your white quartz on the bottom here where it was joined. It's not as white as what you're speaking. Right. Um, I had these out this morning and I was playing around because you know how I'm into the hertz and all of that, vibrations mm -hmm. and everything. So I got my machine out and ran them over all three because I wanted to see if one was more sensitive than the other. Um, it went psycho with this one, which I can kind of understand because the formation is extremely powerful in that one. Um, this one is powerful, but it to me, this one's an overseas one, so I don't feel as friendly to it as the other ones. It's spectacular, this. Like, you don't... It's very rare to get natural growth with a full pyramid. I can't show you. See that? Yeah. That's rare. But what I found, um, I was telling the the other the other day when I do a lot of cleansing with um, a lot of trauma, um, it's like a gooky, gooey yuck that gets covered on the people and you have to remove it to to reseal the bubble so it's clean. Mm -hmm. um, the Some of them are a lot worse than others. And this is my baby. This is the one that I can get that icky, gooky green muck off, whereas mm -hmm. this one wouldn't do it. So I think your question, the white quartz does vibrate at a different frequency. They all vibrate at different frequencies. Um, uh -huh. And depending on the use, you know, what you want to use it for, so I'm, I just go by instinct and the, because I've got rocks everywhere, you know, and the right ones will come out. Whereas, um, you know, I'm, they come to me for the, whatever the purpose is that I have to do. Uh -huh. um, but the, yeah, the white quartz vibrate at a different level. Different frequency. Okay, here's the reason I ask. Um, a few years ago, I went to a place where these Bigfoot were at and I had gotten reports over probably a five or six year thing of people seeing them constantly in that area. And I went there and I noticed that there was a bunch of white quartz all over the ground. Now, this is a pine forest with a few hardwoods in it. And there's no white quartz. You know, it's not like it's coming up out of the ground. Uh, so this is one vein underneath, and probably gold in the area. Okay. Well, the thing of it is, there are small pieces of white quartz, 
probably no bigger than a quarter. And they're everywhere over top on the moss. And it's, you don't, I mean, they're in random places on the malls. And and the whole forest floor is pretty much malls. And I noticed I was watching a channel that I enjoy watching. And this guy ran into the same thing, but he's not a, he doesn't do anything with Bigfoot. But I found it kind of strange that the area that he went into to do some, uh, you know, overnight camping, he was finding white quartz all over the ground, just like I did in that one place. And it was, it was really strange to me. And I was thinking to myself, what's the connection? Is there Bigfoot in here? And then Bigfoot in North Carolina doing the same thing. It and that was, that was one of my questions is what's the difference in the white quartz and the clear and if if I was going out fossicking, for example, oh, I don't know, you call it something else. If if I'm going out finding stones um, mm -hmm. and I want to find a particular type of quartz or crystals, you know, mm -hmm. like then what I do is, because I douse, like I like finding vugs. They're holes that are full of crystals all pointing in, mm -hmm. like in a certain vugs we call those. Um to find those vugs, if I wasn't dousing, before I got into dousing, I used to find them just by, you know, practice. If What happens is the, the vein kind of comes down like that's under the ground and then you, you get your vegetation and your trees and that that grow over it. Mm -hmm. um, then you get your weather and that will wash away the lightest ones first. So... If you can find like a you know a baby a baby crystal, but it's got crystal formation, then I go ah oh, okay. So then I start tracking back up to find the source of where that light one fell out. Mm -hmm. And then you, the, the heavier ones, the same for sapphire and that when you're finding sapphire because they're heavier than the other stones. So the white ones you're talking about, my assumption would be that those ones have come out more obviously than the others um and they've collected them possibly because that experiment i was doing over here the big feedies were only taking the white ones so i don't know if it's a visual or if it's a vibratory thing that they like um but usually the white um quartz is connected to gold which is another thing they seem to like they seem to be in the gold like in, in our areas here, most of the sightings are in big um, gorge country, really deep gorges, mm -hmm. rock, plenty of bush around, but there's gold. Most of the places that I research here, there's gold. But that white quartz, there's a sign of gold somewhere around there. But interesting because, like, you, you might get, like round pebbly kind of white ones and then you'll get other ones that are kind of shiny and they're water worn so depending on if they're water worn or if they've just rolling down the rocks you know and they're coming to the surface mm -hmm. but that is very interesting because i keep thinking they like the gold all the time and and i do i search for that white quartz i 
I've been doing it, you know, since I was 10 kind of thing. I love my rocks. And always there's gold associated with that white white quartz that you're talking about. Yeah, well, sitting on top of the moss, though? I don't know. Maybe they collected them or maybe a big, you know, because if you get a section of stones and the, the water washes it, because usually they're in vugs or they're grouped together, you know, um, like a big one is broken down or, you know, there's little ones around the big ones, but they will tumble from the top and sit on top. But I don't know, in groups like that, what you're saying, Grizzy, in little, like, pockets, it's possible. Well, maybe this will help you. Um, every one of the ones I found, they were not smooth in any way. They had all the little, when you pick them up and you put them in your finger, you know, and push them in between your fingers, you would get all the points. So the they, were, they weren't smooth or anything. Okay, they so were all, Yeah, they look like, look like a, a crystal. Like little, little, um, hang on. Um, more like, that's a topaz. That's yeah. no, not a good example, but like these. Yeah, more that, rough. I mean, so they were rough. Like something, like something dug it up and carried it with it for a while and then just discarded it for some reason. The, the crystals have a higher vibratory force than just, say, a, you know, water-worn kind of, you know, there's no formation. Like this is why this one was so expensive because you don't mm -hmm. ever see that formation. Um, but I can imagine that they would love them the same way I do because even if they're tiny, like this is a big one, and people are quite scared of this one because of the power that's involved with it, you know. But um, you can get a tiny little baby one that'll have more power in it than this one will because mm -hmm. of all the different um, formations. This one here, for example, this one's doubly terminated, perfection in formation. So that means the power's going out both ends. Right. And I would imagine, because the same as me, I love my sparkles, and these guys seem to love the sparkles as well. They yeah. could have been using them for a particular reason um, to re you know, bring some power up or something themselves, or maybe playing with the kids and teaching them about um, strength, you know, um, vib vibrations and Oh, little baby foot, you know, if you find these, then you know that you're going to find these kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then you can use that for your, you can balance your vibrations, you can up your powers, you can um, heal different vibrations, different body parts. Um, you know, ovaries will vibrate to a different frequency. They, it, I, I really, that really interests me a lot. Well, the, the thing of it is, is I contacted that guy and I asked him, you know, is there, you know, an open quartz vein um, in that area? And he's like, no. 
and he frequents that area all the time um, because he does a lot of overnight campouts by himself and stuff like that. And he's had some strange things happen to him at night. And I didn't bring up the Bigfoot part of it with him. And he's like, you know, he done an investigation on his channel because people were asking him, you know, what was that sound? Because he had caught some sounds on his on his uh, camera at night because he leaves it running all night long. And he had caught some grunts and some uh, whoops and he, he'd caught a scream way off in the distance uh, in, a, in a couple of different videos and probably about four or five actually. And he started finding quartz all over the place and he's been throughout that area and there's no open, there's no geological, there's been geological surveys down on the area. <laughs> and there's no quartz in the area, according to the geologists. To me, if you find those little baby forma ones with formation, that indicates there are vugs in the area because mm -hmm. if you're getting formation and, you know, and they're different, uh, like a cluster, say, um, if if you find little ones like that, that to me indicates there are holes like the under the ground. There's been your volcanic action in that, but it's left holes, and the holes are where the crystals will form because there's enough room to poke here and there. So mm -hmm. this like this one's a a cluster. Yeah. That's like, tall. this is one of my good ones, this one. This is really weird. Um, it's got tourmaline and quartz. It's full on. Um, the terminations all over it make it more powerful. It, it goes on formation. So what I'm tipping is the baby footies or the big footies or whatever have been underground. It's possible. They've been underground. They found these little vugs and they, yeah, oh, these are sparkly and beautiful. Let's take them outside and see what they do in the light. Yeah. And maybe they're, you know, they're just playing around to see will they glow with their vibration. Like, we, you know, if you're really good, you can see it. I can't, you know, I'll feel it more so. But some people can see, you know, the, the different vibratory frequencies right. just looking at them. These guys probably can too. So if they take them out and put them in the light as opposed to in the caves, like I don't know what kind of light they've got down there or if it's just visual light, they may pick up the crystals with their vision you know, by a frequency as opposed to us. You know, well, you know, you, I can't do it unless I touch it. Sometimes I can see it, but yeah. no, I'm not great, you know. But I find that very interesting. Very, very interesting. But to me, as a fossica, that would indicate vugs, which means there's big vugs, which could mean there are big caves underground, you know, beautiful circular ones full of all this energetic crystals. Well, the, the funny thing is there's there's caves in the area that I, that I was in here in West Virginia right under the ground I was on and there's caves 
in uh, Western North Carolina where this guy was at. So that makes a lot of sense. Like they're sparkly and pretty, and if they're seeing all colors, whereas we're not all the time, you know, like if we're if we're seeing, yeah, without any of the obstacles and everything in our way then we'd be seeing like that as well so that you know i wouldn't be just seeing a clear piece of quartz here i'd be seeing all the colors and i reckon that's what they probably see too hmm. but they probably see the radiation whereas we don't clearly you know yeah. the frequency the the waves the you know the bands yeah the i know what you're saying yeah like it's and That's interesting. Can be more powerful if, than the big ones. We're talking about like vibrations, right? Right, right. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about vibrations. I wonder if, and this is really reaching for the Titanic at this point, but if if they put those on the ground, they vibrate at a free, certain frequency. They get used to that. If somebody walks in, would that act like a type of alarm? Would yes. that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. If they're in tune that much to the vibrations, definitely. Because the vibrations would change and they'd go, oh, it'd be like a bell, you know? Oh, yeah, like they can the sound the melodies have changed. Yeah. That's so a good way to look at that. Securing their perimeter. Yeah. And, you know, like if the kids are playing with them, if they're little ones, I'm just assuming, you know, if the little ones are playing with them, because if I'd figure, you know, if the big, the bigger males or females and that would be playing with a bigger size if they're playing, but if the little ones are playing with those, that that'd be, a, that's how I taught my daughter. You know, so yeah. they could be teaching them how little vibrations become big vibrations. You know, that might be part of their training. Well, the the thing is. It, it's funny because when I went in and found those little quartz, it wasn't just finding, you know, five to ten of them. I found like 50 or 60 pieces of quartz. Unless someone's fibbing and they found a really good stash and they're just fibbing that, oh, no, there's no quartz in here because there definitely is. Well, uh, I, I think mean, there's more to it. There's something going on. There's yeah. there's something because the quartz, according to the geologists here in West Virginia, and I've and I've I've talked to geologists that work for uh, WVU, Marshall, uh, other other colleges here in West Virginia, and they're pretty. They seem pretty good on what you know, is under the ground. Um, and, and the area that I was in, I was told there's no quartz veins in there. And, and, and no gold, you know, the gold had been taken out years ago and the quartz, you know, whatever quartz was there, they, I don't know what they did with it, but I'm finding small pieces, quarter size, that have all those little jagged edges on them and i'm i'm like i said i'm not finding five or ten of them i'm finding 50 60 of them in a one acre area 
And that just seemed really strange to me back then. And then seeing that on this other person's channel on YouTube and him not being in the Bigfoot and the same type of terrain that I was in, it just seemed really strange. And it kind of struck, it, it got me to wondering about the courts. Are, are they taking them and they're just mesmerized by all the little points? Or is it some type of, you know, some kind of something that they can feel more than we can? They're, this says that they're playing with them and they're, they're being, through the game, they're being taught. Um, I, I feel they're being taught about frequencies. Like. Ooh. Well, um, I mean, that's. I feel there is quartz in that area um or close by you know like if they've carried them hang on now they're actually found in that area i thought they might have moved them but this says that they were actually found in that area um hang on are they learning about frequencies yep Do the little ones learn from small crystal formations before they learn about the big ones? Yep. It seems like they're teaching they're teaching the little ones with small, powerful crystals formation that are highly vibratory um, mm -hmm. to teach them about the bigger areas. Right. Okay. So maybe that, you know, they teach the kids when there's trouble or there's earth shakes or something, um, that when the frequencies in that change, then okay, little ones, we have to go northeast or something like that. But it seems to be a lesson that they're learning as part of um, their frequency training. Well, uh, I, I'm like, you know, I'm like Brian, you know, maybe it's an early, early warning system that they were teaching them to on that subject because of so many in that small one acre area right. and it was near the top of a mountain. So they have multiple ways to escape, you know, if people come in or you know, there's danger from another family unit or whatever. And I, it, it, it could be an early warning system because of all the vibration that they get from them. Yeah. So and if they're, um, if they've got them in a bunch, then the, the vibrations and frequencies and everything like that, if they're that well formed, that you've got, you know, spikes yeah. going out everywhere. All the energy that means is going in all sorts of places, so it's acting like a light. Hmm. Yeah, like a, like a radar. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so they might be like with the, with the um, hertz and things like that, I think you're all on to something. I if, think Brian brought something forward. 
Yeah. If the um if the seismic activity is mucking around downstairs, then that's going to affect the vibratory frequencies of the quartz up top. And it could act as a lighthouse. Hang on. So could it be a rally point for them? Possibly, yeah. If the family unit gets broke up because of an intrusion or... Oh, there you go. You know, a, a fight between two alphas and the other males in that family, could that be like a beacon for the females and the, and the little ones to go to? Yeah. Acting as a location point. Hmm. Um, is it acting as a uh, gathering location? Or a safety point, a safety. Yep, it is. Hmm. Like, that's huge. Like, it's huge, yes. Um, do the little ones f first learn by the smaller quartz, crystal quartz with formation? Yep. Do the... Um, frequencies, vibrations, and energetics of the little piles of crystals connect to other piles of quartz crystals. Yep. They're using it as a, like a frequency. They could even be using it as a matrix protector. Hang on. Um, other small groups of crystal stones, when linked, acting as a protection barrier. Yep. It'd be interesting mm. to see how far apart the groups of white, you know, the groups of crystals are and if they're in a particular shape. Because if they've got them laid out in certain shapes on the ground that are geometric, they could be creating their whole beautiful beautiful boundary system like a matrix only well, they're using the energetics out of the quartz to do it well i can remember because it was like a spiral that went around the top of the hill you know it started out like one and then it kind of like step up and then go up and then up until you got to the top and it was a small i'd say probably Six or seven pieces of them at the very top. Were the top ones the same formation or were they more like this? They were all, every one of them that I found had the multi-points on them. And the ones at the very top were, they were not as coarse. They didn't have all the points. They because were more. Certain uh, shapes, like, for example, uh, this one you could term as a generator. So if you have one that's a particular shape, um, hang on, can you hang on a sec? I won't be sec. Sounds almost like a lighted GPS, like a guide to meet it here at this point. So, yeah, well, it could be, you know, somewhere where 
the young are to go to the top and then the females set up like a defensive perimeter to protect the young. It's kind it's of like what it sounds like. If you have a generator, right, they, they call certain shapes either generators or you've got your mm -hmm. receivers or your amplifiers, la, la, la. I try to keep it simple, simple. But you can have a generator. If you have a generator in the middle and then you have them facing certain directions towards the generator, then the energy is dispersed how you lay it out. So if you get on the top of the hill and you've got a big generator and then mm -hmm. you've got your spiral going down around, there, oh, boy, there's some power play going on there. Hmm. They're controlling the vibratory frequencies and resonance to a particular uh, hertz possibly. I'd be interested uh, to take a, a tri field up there then. Yeah. And I bet if you had a drone over the top of it to see where they were, you would find almost a coil of energy with a boom at the top. Well, I marked, I, I took a piece of paper that, because I always carried paper and a pencil, and, and I, every, and I drew the top of the mountain and marked where all the trees were at and where each stone was at and by the type of tree that it was near. Now, every one of those white quartz were near a spruce. Huh. Another thing, to, you, you, you keep clicking me off. Sorry for interrupting. There are certain types of stones that you find under certain types of trees. Like over here, I go for tea trees. If I'm looking for smoky, I will go for tea trees. And mm -hmm. underneath, because the root system sprays out. So it leaves mm -hmm. like a cubby house that the crystals can grow up underneath. Um, so I'll go straight for tea trees, you know, and I'll, I will find bugs full of smokies. Uh, mainly smokies under tea trees but exactly like you say there are certain trees or scrub you know bushes or that will only grow certain um you know combinations of quartz or um shape under a sp particular tree with the spruce trees you know and the pine trees they're mm -hmm. said to have the highest power out of all the um, vibrations and everything in all the trees, like they're they're very very strong and sacred um, and and super duper grounding. So you know if you get into any trouble out there, just hang on to a pine tree. Hmm. It'll be quicker than trying to do any head stuff. Like just because it it vibrates. It's a very strong. Um, the electromagnetics and everything, it, it, that makes a lot of sense, what you're saying. Yeah, because well, I just open up Pandora's box now. We yeah. usually do. Well, uh, yeah. Um, you know, it was, I found it very strange. And, and when I watched his video, um, I noticed that it was the same type of spruce tree that in western North Carolina, 
that he was filing these courts and his was in the pattern of, you know, kind of like a spiral thing going towards the top of the mountain, the same that I found. And, you know, he's, he's been back there a couple of times and some of them have been moved. Um, because of, I, I would dare to say because of where he went in there, you know, he, he broke that barrier of where they were placed. Yep. And it, and it makes you wonder. Yep. I, I think you're onto something here because if they break through, say, say like, um, you know, the sacred sites everywhere all over the world, there's, there's the energetics of the sacred places, you know, as high, high, really strong and mm -hmm. loud. And like you say, with the sound, you wonder what it hears like, what, what it sounds like. But if you're mucking around with spirals, you're entering sacred um, sacred ground in my world. Like if I see any spirals, anything like what you're saying, I ask, may, may I come in, please? Um, and yesterday is the first time in my life I've ever put out a warning to everyone to stay away from the ports because yesterday I went up to, I, I just call mine a circle of energy, Um so I went up to it because I was so worried. There's a lot of hap things were happening yesterday and uh, people are getting ill and it wasn't a good day yesterday. So I went up there and I asked for, you know, may I enter? I nearly got put on my butt that it was that strong. Do not enter to the point I could almost feel my body being pushed backwards because I, I wasn't dousing. I was using my body to yes and no. Mm -hmm. So like I, it, I rock forward for yes and backward for no so you know i was standing there and i said may I, you know may i enter please <laughs> you know i nearly got floored yesterday and that's why i i've never done that any time ever in my life and had or felt that i you know i because i don't like ego um but by doing that i felt bad because it was like i had ego you know you know what i mean because if you have ego involved, the energy doesn't flow smoothly. It, it um, can be corrupted. And so you try and have no um, restrictions, no um, nothing to sway a, a perfect flowing in string theory, beautiful, free flowing, you know, vibrations. But if you're entering one of those spiral things and you don't know, Say it starts at the top and you've got your generator up top and you've got all your power is centered in by the sounds of that into the core of that mountain, which would be like a power mountain. Mm -hmm. If you cross, you don't know that you're crossing into that territory. If they've got the crystals spaced at different sections and you don't know that it creates a spiral all the way, you're entering stinkingly strong energy without invites. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, I know. I understand that. It's just when I got to the top of the mountain and I found that small pile at the very top and it was, it was the point, you know, that the very top of that, that little mountain, um, you know, I got up there and I was like, what does this mean? I started looking at the paper and I'm like, well, that's a spiral all the way to the top. And I, and, and not thinking out loud, I said, 
what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to tell me? What does this mean out loud? And as soon as I said that, one screamed below where I was at, probably a couple hundred yards away. And I'm like, okay, so maybe I'm in a bad area that I'm not supposed to be. I stumbled onto something I'm not supposed to see. You've stumbled on a major power source is what this is saying. One of their major power sources. You know how we have our pyramids and all of that, and they say, oh, you know, this and that and this. They've got their own system. Yeah. But, like, when you get to the top of that hill, sorry, the ants are coming in. Um, you, did you feel, like, powered up or drained? Um, I would say that I probably didn't. I you wasn't drained or anything. I was just. You know, I, I felt good about the situation, and I felt like, wow, I've really found something. I just don't know what it is. You know what I'm saying? I felt like I was in a good place. I was. It was a piece of the puzzle that I'm that I've got. I just can't figure out where it goes in the puzzle of Bigfoot. You know what I'm saying? But that is beautiful, Big Bear. Oh, Bear, sorry. Um, because that to me says that you're vibrating on a similar frequency to that power source because you've had no obstruction, you've had no restriction, you've got to the top of the power source, you still feel nice and good, and I reckon that's why you get on so well with them as well, like you, Brian. And Grizz, I would imagine we'd all be vibrating that similar vibration. Whereas other people, as soon as you get a little bit of fear in there, you've stuffed up the whole vib vibratory field. You know, but whereas if you if you're on a level that's calm and nice and vibrates with the same vibratory force that they've got set up, there's no um, obstruction. You know, because you're all on the same harmony. You know, there's no different bands or you're on the same harmony. So you you would feel safe, I would imagine. Yeah, I think so. And Angel Light made some, a lot of good points too during your all's conversation. So, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry I haven't answered them. No, he made a lot of good valid points. But uh, I hate to wrap it up. Uh, it's been a great oh. show. A lot of good points, Brian. Old Bear. Thank it's you been a pleasure. I, I cannot believe the spiral. I mean, that yeah. is a uh, indication, I think. I think Brian's on to some. I think Old Bear, I, I think that's a missing piece of the puzzle. I wonder how many people has not noticed that and not even thought anything about that and, and walked into it and overlooked it all, all these years. You could carry a bit of black tourmaline in your pocket. And if there are any negative vibrations or any of that that's around because you got your white, tourmaline, um, um, I haven't got a piece on me. It's black and shiny and it will mm -hmm. reflect 
any negative energy back. So nothing gets in, no no action. It just gets, it's like return to sender. Yeah. I, wow. I have it everywhere. Car, house, pockets, handbag, everywhere. And touch wood, I rarely get hit. Between... Sorry. Go ahead, Kat. No, no, you go. No, nah, between the guy smoking the cigar, between <laughs> you all figuring out the 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 <laughs> stones and the trees and the spiral and all that, that that's just mind blowing. It's beautiful. Brian, you, you know, still like there? I don't want to be yeah. not friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, was I, just I, waiting thought, I, I thought you froze. <laughs> no, I just, uh, you know, I'm happy to be on here and actually. I'm happy you're feeling better and hopefully get better. I love everything he's on. I hang on the words because this guy's got such a wealth of knowledge. I just want to soak it up. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad O'Bear brought that up though, because I wonder how many people has walked around that and not seen that. And then yeah. you've seen that on that guy's YouTube channel. Right. And it's like, yeah. wait a minute. And this well, that's, that's what gone. sparked my interest in it. And then when I got it, when Cass sent, you know, sent me a message, you know, about tonight's show, I'm like, I've got a question for her and I want to see if I can get it answered. And she's helped out a lot on that question. It, it, it's it's starting to fit into that. I, I think I know where that piece goes. Also, you know how like things are meant to be. I get shoved into positions that where I can help people, or mm -hmm. you know, there's a reason why something will pop up. And I, because that thing where I've been asking this other guy to put particular stones mm -hmm. was exactly where I was going with what you're saying. That was exactly why I wanted him to put out specific stones. Like I said, uh, selenite, tourmaline, carnelian, um, and another one, you know, because I wanted to know what they were interested in. Are they picking them up because of the vibration? Are they picking them up because of the colour? But guess what? They took the white ones. Hmm. And so, like, all of this has to be connected because we're all in this together and we're all mates for a reason. So otherwise we wouldn't end up like soul sister brothers, you know? Right. Right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad <laughs> everybody so got together tonight. And thank uh, you old bear and Brian for coming on and spending your time. And Brian, I hope you recover safe and, and get well. Well, thank you. I appreciate Same. it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for the chance to get. To oh, it's time. been great for both of you all. Thank you yeah, all. Anytime. And we'll definitely have you back. Like always, it's always great to get you all on and both of you all, and especially y'all together. It's fantastic. I didn't know where this was going to go tonight. I had no yeah. idea. Everyone was scared. But, 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 sorry, one quick question. I now, oh, bear, and I'm going to go back to all the sightings here that we've got mapped out. And I'm going to douse and see if I can pick up a big spiral and see if the spirals are connected so that you've got, you might have one whopper and then little ones at the bottom that radiate the energy at the bottom of the hills. Hmm. Anyway, I'm sorry. That would be interesting <laughs> to find out those findings, Cap. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, from coast to coast <laughs> around the world, that's a wrap. We'll catch you on Thank the next so show. Much. Good night. Take Bye care, everyone. You all. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Bill. Thank okay. Thanks, Greasy. Mm -hmm.